It's Gentleman Jack Crack. Cue that fucking jaunty music. Nineteenth-century groveling, groveling, groveling. Good lord! Once upon a time, oh, the there was fuck? love in my life. <laughs> now there's only love in the dark. Of course, you're gonna start with this. There's nothing song. I can do. Total eclipse <laughs> of heart. You do realize we just transitioned from jaunty music with mentions of grubbles to your very sad cover. I don't know how to feel that doesn't involve peaking the microphone. You can peek the mic. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what people expect from us in this uh, mean... recapping of episode five. Well, first, shall we say hello? <laughs> Hi. Hello, friends. everyone. And welcome to Gentleman Jack Gentleman Crack. Gentleman Jack Crack. Where, <laughs> as, as you're, if you're, you're, you're not The vibes new. are low. The vibes yeah, are the low. Yeah, the vibes are, the, the jaunt is, it's, it's, um, it's not as. It's at half mast. Yes. You know, we were um, jaunting through half of the episode. Although we did angrily jaunt out of the last five minutes, but then other things happened and we're back to our sad feels, but. Welcome. Welcome to our recap of episode five from season one of Gentleman Jack entitled, Let's Have Another Look at Your Past Perfect. Glass case of emotion is an understatement, but it's essentially where I am because. Well, I at mean, least you th- there were no booze. There were lots of L's. Lots and lots of L's. But at least you're sober. I, I put some Baileys in my coffee, but you you stay over there. With your juice for today. Oh yeah. Oh, but there's yeah. plenty of time. There's plenty of time oh, yeah. for inebriated sad feels for the nightcap, which will invariably be spicy for this episode. Oh, I can't wait to hear about all this correspondence. <laughs> Several notes in one day. We heard about too many notes in the last nightcap, but there's more. As we transition into a new, somewhat new phase of of our stressed out baby gay who was just leveling up level. I mean, she was leveling up the thirst and now she's leveling up her own goddamn stress and everything's getting worse. So I guess before we dip into it, we will dip into <laughs> pun intended. Uh, we'll dip into the episode one more time. One more again. Before we start discussing with you guys. So we will be right. <laughs> just, what, what the fuck? Is that? <laughs> this is me shaking. <laughs> I'm so angry. <laughs> okay. We will be right back. Right back. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not going to be matter. watching that too many it's times. No laughing matter. Somebody spinning it. It's a uh, <laughs> look. Um, hmm. I'm just going to say I agree with you. Obviously, I mean, you know me. There's a lot of things to piss a person off in that violence arena. And spinning on a person is definitely, you know, actually, it's worse than trying to punch me in my face. Quite, quite honestly, spitting in my face is worse than trying to hit me in my face. And um, I guess I'll save it. I'll save it where we get to that horrific yeah, ending we're, we're scene. Not, we're but it, it yes. distinctly brought me back to a place that was not a good place. And so I, I will share that with you all. <laughs> but fucking hell, 
this motherfucking episode. Let's try to let's try to take it back. And I guess the only people who will really experience that true, authentic joy within you will be the Patreon supporters who will have our watch through. We were feeling so happy, yes. so jaunty in the beginning of this episode. Everything was looking up. And then the peaking happened. There was the peaking, peaking happened and... halfway through. But let's let's start at the very beginning. A very good place to start. <laughs> and uh, it's bright music, you know? We open up, it feels hopeful. Ann Walker is in bed, and Ann Lister is there as she wakes up, and it's affectionate as fuck. Quite possibly, actually, I think the sweetest moment up until now, at least for me, with the Anns. I think I said during the recording I got an instant cavity. It was so damn sweet. But we see Ann Lister waking up, and Walker, who asks what time it is, and she's slept in. Curls are totally not done while Ann is ready for the day. And she talks of having pain all night, and that she kind of just fell asleep around five because she doesn't really remember what happened after that and then she asks Ann Lister how long she's been there and Ann Lister's like not long and then regales us with an adorable little story about having a bit of a skirmish with Miss Pockhill <laughs> about who would come up and see if she was awake <laughs> and before she even said it you were like she won Ann Lister won it's like duh who else is going to win this fight but that was adorable they share a kiss and it's like oh and a double kiss because Thirsty Ann Walker is like one more one more time before you pull away for good. And I guess we did cover these two minutes in the last episode, but we're ending on some happy sugar mama notes because basically, Ann Lister's like, come on, get out of bed. If she go downstairs, you'll feel brighter. And she gets up to start washing up and Ann Lister's like, so, babe, <laughs> just FYZ. I was wondering if I could borrow a little money, maybe, perhaps, perhaps, because I'm a single bit. I'm gonna show these men how to do it. They, don't, they apparently don't know how to make money with a cold pit. So I'm gonna show them how to make money with a cold pit. Just wondering if I could borrow some dough, some pounds. And she was like, oh, of course, babe. She was like, how much? Well, Bitch, of course you much? can. Of course like, you can. Of course you can. Don't even. <laughs> Girl, you. this is what I'm here to do. I'm not. There's not many functions I have My here. coin purse is your coin purse. Like, let me be the sugar mama I've always longed to be. Okay. And yeah, I was screaming during the recording. Mariana would never. Because <laughs> she would She would never. She wouldn't. I'm waiting for those copious gifts that just don't appear into the diaries. I mean, you had bread, Mariana. You mean to tell me you couldn't set aside a shilling or a pound or two to get your girl some some new braids? If you had all these comments about her braids being whack, but whatever. Let's not let's not let's not segue into Mariana when there's plenty of things to be upset about in this episode. So, so we get the jaunty intro. Oh yeah, let me let me cue up our music. And so we are jaunting into the beginning of this episode before things get worse. And they're still hopeful. And what happens when we first come out of the credits? Oh, no. We're in the main house. You know what? Cut the shit. Cut the. <laughs> We're in the main house. And I'm looking at this Ainsworth. face. Ainsworth. I'm looking at this face. And I was like, is that him? Because, you know, I mean, there was a preview, but, you know. I was like, that is that him? And th- th- everything about what he's saying, because we know why he's in town. But he seems to feel like there was, there was a mix-up. Because he's like, well, this is not... Uh, <laughs> this isn't where I, I thought I would be staying. I thought I, I thought I was going to be with the the f- fertile. And Why Walker. would you use that word? That, it's like you want me to start yelling. We barely started. He's recording. gross. So he's thinking gross thoughts. He's like, "Why am I?" Not that I don't uh, appreciate the hospitality of being in the main house, but I kind of wanted to. 
Well, I mean, yeah. you know, it's immediately loathsome when we see Ainsworth, who is bitching about, oh, I, thought I, I thought I would see Miss Walker. I hope you don't think. I think the phrase he uses is, I uh, hope you don't think it unfeeling or, what is it, indecorous? And it's like, bitch, it is both unfeeling and indecorous. And that's why you're saying it preemptively, because you know how this is looking, bitch. It was gross. He was and, being gross. Um, he's like the event, you know. And we basically have the to watch event. his fake grief for what is it a couple of minutes uh i what did i write i said let's see uh miss thingsworth is pleading his case for paying a visit to miss walker as he understood that his host would be Anne and not the priestlies uh yeah he also expressed that his second note has not yet been replied to while feigning bereaved sensibilities referring to his wife's passing as the incident which is gross because really it's like she's still not in the ground <laughs> like she's maybe still- she is maybe the weekend passed and he he put that bitch in the ground before he came over to the priestly i don't know it's just wrong no matter if she is in the ground or not because if she's in the ground no plants have grown <laughs> on the ground like it's fresh overturned ground and um, of course, the Priestleys are okay with it because they have a side agenda, namely Eliza, and they're full of shit too. So it's just a whole room, a whole room of fakeness, just fake people being fake all together. The Priestleys and Ainsworth. And as he goes on about like, oh, I thought I was going to see Miss Walker, you know, but I guess, I guess that's not happening right now. And Eliza volunteers that like, oh, she's not been feeling well, you know, ever since she heard about your poor wife, she's just been out of sorts. But let me volunteer myself. Let me volunteer myself to intercede in between this. And she mentions that Aunt Ann Walker has invited Miss Parkhill on her, just on her own. In my head, I was like, why is Aunt Ann extending invitations for people to stay and grubble block when nobody asked her? But that's the answer to grubble block. And so she basically is like, listen, listen, listen. Ann isn't feeling well. It's true. But she has a friend staying with her courtesy of her aunt. So there totally would be no loss of propriety if you went over there to speak to her. It's totally fine because she has a friend. So no one's going to think anything bad of it, even though this is totally fucking sketch. So maybe you should just like try to try to holla. And uh, this is where all of my patience runs out for Mrs. Priestley. This episode right uh, now. Yeah, I kind of was done with her from after you're playing with fire. And she started, oh, Keep this between the family. Uh, and she's spreading her... This is what the lack of grubbles and bitterness will do to you. This, yes. this Because she takes it to a level that is just beyond in this episode. And from this point, we're like, oh, who's this Miss Parkhill? We've heard Anne mention her in the pre-scene, uh, the scene before the credits. And now we hear Mrs. Priestley mentioning Mrs. Parkhill. Who the fuck is this? And then in the next scene, we meet Mrs. Parkhill, who initially, on first impressions, you're like, maybe she won't be that annoying. Maybe she'll be at Catherine's level. Like, annoying, but the bonnet level. No, no. No, 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 no. That's not what we get with Miss Parkhill this episode. Her who... first line. Oh, good, Miss Lister. You were able to get the invalid downstairs. I'm like, what? Whoa, mm, wait. She started right. Well, good job, Miss Lister. And I'm like, oh, she's like, so you got the invalid downstairs. It's like, oh, okay, bitch. That's, that's, I just, that's, hmm. um, so you're going to be on the Catherine level, but worse. That's that what we're doing. Mm. She's horrible. And because nothing but horrible things really comes out of her mouth after she's like, oh, the invalid's downstairs. We'd like to get some fresh tea. Oh, by the way, you've had another letter. And I'm like, wow, she just got downstairs and she's had another letter. Another letter. Really? A letter. Great. Fantastic. So, oh, who's the letter from? Oh, the Priestleys. <laughs> because they were just talking that shit and decided to have Ainsworth write a letter in that moment. Right now. To have the agent, or the agent, to have the servant bring over, which he does. And immediately Anne's face drops. And we're like, here we go again. 
And she's looking at Ann Lister, who's still smiling because she hasn't lost her glow just yet of what's going on for the day and goes to open the letter. Thankfully, we're not put to the task of having to watch her read this horrific thing. We just cut back to Ainsworth, back at the Priestleys, where he receives this a letter, a return letter, really fast, really quick from Ann Walker. And he opens it and he's like, oh, so she got my note. Yay. But then he keeps reading and he's like, oh, um, oh, <laughs> seems like she's still ill and uh, she's not receiving guests and his enthusiasm completely leaves his voice and immediately immediately here comes eliza Our priestly yep she's like well remember i told you she wasn't feeling well so um this shouldn't be a shock to you tell you what how about how about i i me <laughs> how about i go over there and see what the fuck is going on and why why mrs priestly why I mean, it's not like she has to be announced or anything because she could just sneak in through the back door like she always does. I mean, she doesn't exactly sneak with all those servants, but no, that's, well, yeah. she doesn't ring the bell. So right. that's about as sneaky as it gets. We do have to listen to Priestley, or not Priestley, Ainsworth go on about just more bullshit about how he felt like if anyone would understand his position and his feelings right now it would be Anne, would be Anne Walker. And he just thought she would really want to see him. Really? Ugh. Is that what you thought? Ugh. He is really and truly a grubby little wretch. <laughs> truly, truly, truly. He uses the word comfort again, and I just wanted to choke him out at use of the word comfort. I think it's Mr. Priestley in this scene who suggests sending another note because, they're, you know, they're like, are you all right? You look really visibly affected <laughs> by this. And he's like, I know I'm, I'm acting, excuse me, feigning my grief, feigning that I'm a good person. And Mr. Priestley suggests sending a motherfucking note. And this time with some shitty ass presents and an account of his person. <laughs> Sorry, because this was really gross. <laughs> right. And this is when uh, Eliza agrees and they're both just sort of like, you know, yeah, this is great. We'll do this. We'll send the account. We'll send a new note. Small steps. Small steps, chap. <laughs> That's all it takes. Small steps. She's gay. She's skittish. It's all right. And it's like she's gay and skittish because she doesn't want this man anywhere near her. What the fuck? But they insist that he will not be intruding. And I'm just, how are you insisting again for someone else what is and is not an intrusion? Oh, wait, isn't that when he asks if there's somebody else? I'm pretty sure. Wait, yeah, that all happens. But that happens upon the return of. Well, oh, no, no, no. That's before. That's like when they're like, oh, no, it's it's small steps. And he's like, well, I just want to make sure that, you know. No, yeah, that all happens together. But I'm thinking small steps doesn't happen until a uh return to cinder happens no because after the another return Anne is on the heels she she starts to accelerate her stuff because no we'll go through you'll see you'll see kind of what i mean and i'll or i'll be able to see what you mean because there's going to be a cut from when ainsworth is at the table with the priestleys where Anne is doing her entertaining talking about science and religion and how it's married but yet divorced and, you know, um, young Miss Park Hill is so fascinated. And then all of a sudden there's a rap, tap, tap. Right. I know. That's what I'm saying. So so I'm saying before we cut back to Cronus and then playing backgammon at the end of this exchange with the Priestleys, he asks, he says, I just want to make sure I'm not intruding on anyone that she's not seeing. She's not into somebody else, essentially. And it's Eliza who's like, no, 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 no. Absolutely not. There's no intrusion. There's zero intrusion, which is why he goes to intrude himself physically with his body and the letter. Cause he's like, I'm not going to send your servant to send the letter. I will send myself in the hopes that she will see me anyway. And this added pressure of my presence here will make her feel like she's obligated to see me. That's what he was hoping for. That's what we see. At least it doesn't happen in that moment, but that's definitely what he's hoping for. And that's all Eliza and her husband's impact. So when we cut back to Crow Ness and they're playing backgammon, 
Miss Park Hill is what painting or sketching, and the ends are playing backgammon. And Anne is talking to Miss Park Hill about Monsieur Covier who we've heard her mention before in Paris, who taught her science and stuff. One of her favorite subjects. And she's talking about how he set aside biblical interpretations, how life on earth began and pursued a more scientific understanding, which is cool. I feel like that's me in Catholic school, <laughs> like trying to balance space camp and like what the nuns were saying about the seven days of creation. I'm like, but dinosaurs. And they're like, <laughs> don't ask us any questions, Candace. Just do your work. What is it? Oh, Park Hill starts to ask her some questions about like, oh, wouldn't that make him a heretic? And that's when Anne goes on a little bit of a science riff about, no, it's just curious. Isn't it wonderful that the more you learn about science and things and things, the closer you get or more in awe you are of your creator. Something like that, she says, essentially. And she's smiling. She's looking at Anne. Anne is smiling. I would assume they've talked about this already a couple of times, given all the hours they spend together. And one of Anne Walker's favorite things is obviously to listen to her bae talk about her passions. And, uh, if I had to assume, she probably asked the question herself that <laughs> that Park Hill asked, and hence the laughter from Anne, where she's like, duh, <laughs> curious. <laughs> she's like, you know, babe, because we just talked about this a day ago. They're getting on swimmingly, playing backgammon, and for a moment, you're like, this is really nice. This could this could stay really nice. This could happen nicely. And even Miss Park Hill has compliments. She's like, well, he must have thought you were extraordinary, this Mr. Covier. And Anne's like, well, you know. But before they can bask in that shit, <laughs> a rap at the door. Who's at the door? Who's ringing the bell? It's Ainsworth. Uh, just wanted to jump off a parcel for Miss Walker. I know she's ill and I take it to guess. But actually, could you just kind of tell her that it's Reverend Thomas Ainsworth that's at the door? And, yeah, because, because he can't leave her alone for five fucking minutes. And I'm like, he crossed the threshold. I'm like, who just crosses a threshold of someone else's estate? Like, I just was, I was curious as to why people just felt entitled to flaunt themselves wherever they feel they may choose because they are men of a cloth or just because they are men. Why are men? That ultimately was my thought. So where it gets back to, uh, and well, she can hear firstly. Well, and then Alice yeah, she is can like, hear the bell. is that him? <laughs> is that, is, is that him? Uh, and you know, once she's approached, she says, tell him, as I said, that I'm not receiving guests, you know, aside from these two hashtag squad. And, uh, you know, he gets shooed away. He's like, wait, but did you tell her it was it was Reverend Thomas Ainsworth? That did she know it was did she know it was me? I was like, Yeah, yeah, yep, she knew it was you pushing this guy out of the doorway. Thanks for the gift. Bye. Door slam. I mean, James was mad that he had to get that smoke from Ann Walker. Ann Walker didn't really yell or do anything with anybody. And uh, she was pretty annoyed. And James could see that. Or she was just like, listen. And I like that moment, especially because she never looked to Ann Lister. For any sort of anything, she just kind of handled that by herself, which I guess she did that before the episode started to go left. Because she did. She was like, look, this is what I said what I said. I said, I, I have people over here. I'm not feeling well. And the only people I'm seeing are these two bitches. So can you tell me, get the fuck out? <laughs> like, how about that? And we get a cut to Ann Lister's face. And I think she's proud of her. She's like, oh, yay. Look, you did it. You did not need me to stand up for you, to interject for you i'm here you feel strong you feel strength and you're handling it by yourself and sends him away and ainsworth is like wait hold up and james is like what look look you got me yelled at bitch get mm -hmm. the fuck out she obviously wrote you a letter and told you what was what and you out here pretend like you can't breathe get the fuck out it was it was really rude and it yeah. was rude but that's also what he deserved and we cut back into uh where our ladies are and she's like well it looks like it's just the scrapbook that we used to work on uh back when we all were alive and in a different 
every time she would time. visit, they yeah. would work on this scrapbook. And it uh, looks like a autobiographical account of himself. Yep. And so uh, Anne Lissa could care less about the biographical account. She's like, well, what's the significance of the scrapbook? And that's when she finds out that, yeah, you know, whenever they Well, that's because she knows the significance of the autobiographical <laughs> right. account. They've had this conversation about the wedding or right. what he wants to have happen, which is this proposal. But yeah. And then Miss Park Hill gets a whiff like, wait. Why do you propose he's giving you a biographical account? You don't think he's intent on proposing, do you? A clergyman. Like, man. I mean, I, yeah, I guess. Yay. She's Not annoying. Yay. Meanwhile, Ann Walker is panicking internally, as one should do. And I don't know why anyone think a clergyman is a, a win. But I suppose we're still in these colonialist times and all of their religious stuff is confuzzled, to say the least. Uh, yep, that's putting it lightly. So I guess, I, I guess, um, I would think the worst of the men are in the clergy, especially at that time. But that's just me. That's just me. I mean, yeah. And what I'm feeling, that if you're looking for an assaulter, you can for sure find find it in a clergyman in this time. But yeah, so gross. And Ann Walker's grossed out too. And she's like, I think I just might be better upstairs, actually. You're bringing up het propaganda and I'm not ready for it. It's too early. Babe, can you take me back upstairs? I'm feeling, I'm feeling, I'm feeling shaky. <laughs> I gotta go. And that's what they do. They leave, they peace out, they go back upstairs. And really, they've just been in, they were in the drawing room for what, like an hour and a half tops. Like she got dressed. She did her curls. That probably took half an hour while Anne was probably like, let me watch you get dressed. It's totally okay. Let's do your little curls. They went downstairs, had some fuck shit, and she's like, oh, I'm right way, back upstairs. Right, right back upstairs. Oh, by the way, you got a note. Oh, well, let's send a note back to say, uh, no, I'm not. I don't want, and I'm sick. I don't want company. And then they're playing back game, and probably one game they got in, a knock on the door. Oh, actually, could you just tell her it's Mr. Reverend Thomas Aysworth? Is that want to come in? Like, I know that I just got a note from her acknowledging the and note Ann that Walker I sent And Walker looks so happy. She was today. having so much fun. But she told me she and was not. And she always kicks Anne's ass. Because later in the episode, she's like, come on, Miss Walker, thrash like me again you like you always do. do. And I think that's um, that's why Ann Lister has that, like, smirk in a moment also when she looks at her. Because I think Ann Walker just did a move where she did a thrash. And she's like, bitch, you always, you are always beating me at backgammon. But yeah, happy moments give way to sad moments. And we're back upstairs <laughs> again, hour and a half in the drive. I'm sure fucking Park Hill. What did they say her name was? Henrietta? I don't, I don't know. Harriet? But, uh, yeah, I'm just going to keep calling Miss Park Hill because I can't Yeah, I don't know. Miss H. And um, they're back upstairs. And Ann Lister is rubbing Ann Walker's back. Presumably with the tincture rub shit that was prescribed for her back that we read about earlier. And in general, though, I'm sure just the whole action of back rubbing, whether or not this ointment does anything for her pain, is very soothing in a very practical way to calm down and walk her. Is there this panic attack she's having? Is there another cut that happens with the dejected Ainsworth having physically been to the house and physically towed to? I feel like the last we see him is for for the moment is when James like physically pushes him out. And he's like, yeah, no, she she said no, bro. Bye. And then we cut back to the drawing room, as we just said, where Park Hill's like, oh, my God, but like a clergyman is this marriage? Oh, my God. Isn't this the head dream? (laughs) A clergyman. I know he's horrible. I know he his wife just died, but still he's a man and in the clergy. (laughs) Surely, surely that's all you need. It's just like, bitch, what? That's a win. And then so from there, we are back in the room. And so I'm like, she was barely out the room this morning before she's back in because she's stressed out and Anna's rubbing her back. I mean, there's the rub, there's the ointment, there is that 19th century icy hot they have going on. But at the same time, I just feel like 
and Lister rubbing her back like that is a, just a practical way to calm her down because she needs that. And when you're stressed out, stress can and often does increase the physical pain that you experience, whether it's pre-existing pain or otherwise, just sudden pain that can come on from stress. But uh, the whole scene is all very tender and Ann Walker is back in her undergarments. That's why I said I, I have to imagine that Ann Lister undressed her. And to be sure, that makes sense. You got to get out of those stiff sleeves and corset yeah. if you're... For anyone who's ever had a panic attack or any type of anxiety attack, one of the things that sucks is to feel like your body is constricted or like that things are tight on top of you because it makes it, I mean, it's already hard enough to breathe when you're having a panic attack. I don't know if you've ever had a panic attack, but I can speak for myself and say that I have had panic attacks and I didn't really start suffering from panic attacks as random as they would come on until after 9-11. For me personally, and it was my first real experience with trauma affecting your behavior and your breathing and just all those things coming upon you suddenly in a way that you don't expect because you're triggered by a sound or a vision or whatever and as horrible as 9-11 was in my ute <laughs> you know I wasn't prepared for all the things that would come afterwards um, of the stress and just how that experience changed me and a lot of my my, my friends at the time as young as we were and so there were things I experienced, especially in the immediate aftermath, that definitely were a panic attack. And the first thing you want to do is, like, not be constricted physically. Maybe yeah. take off your clothes. If you have a bra on, rip off the bra. And just kind of, like, try to center yourself and breathe and focus on something still. And so I imagine that that is something that was happening in Anne's room where she gets up there. She's like, I just, I just, I just can't. And, and, and Lister's like, okay, let's take off the corset. Let's take off these layers. Let's get off the sleeve. Just try and breathe. Get the ointment. Let me rub your back. It's okay. Just calm down. I don't know. Do you have any experience with panic attacks or before we move on from this section that I would contribute? Um, <laughs> I don't know, but let's just say that there was a lot of social anxiety. So with that, you know, panic attacks will just occur seeing a mob of people and not knowing if they're there to get you for some far-fetched reason or some very so real social reason. anxiety like being in a crowd or something like uh that? being in a crowd or noticing the tone of a crowd where it's like uh, people oh people think less when they're in a bigger mob my mentality is real. me don't like different and he looks very different so we're going to mess with him so is that something that you've generally only felt if the crowd feels a certain way or is it just oh, actual crowds that upset a tone you? because there's a murmur amongst the crowd so you can already get engaged the vibe of whether I need to be tense or if I can oh, be sure, relaxed. Sure. So when it's already on it, it's on 11 and you're not the reason why, but you can easily become the reason why it can stay at 11 or go to 12. It's like, you know, just trying to be just trying to exist. And then, you know. Uh, the 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 hoteps are outside. You're oh just, no, they're not just hoteps. out there, right? And they're on eleven, no. <laughs> and we and you don't know why, you know, because the world's Not burning. Mercy. But they see you, the and all of a sudden, you're the child? reason the world is burning, and they have to tell you. They have to let you know that they just understand. There's, that, there's people who got negative animus towards the gays. I'm just like, why do you even exist? <laughs> what is wrong with you? Um, but yeah, okay, that makes sense. I've had friends and people I've known who they like what can bring on a panic attack is just like when you said social anxiety i was like oh is that like crowds because i have a, a friend who she like you know me i love concerts and if i'm going to a concert like i just 
I don't know, I, I blame my mom or just my first concert experience in Houston where I'm like really close. So I need to be close. So if I'm going to a concert, I'm in the pit. And if I'm in the pit, like I'm as close to the front, probably at the front, you know, and I'm totally fine with that stage diving or whatever. But I've had friends who have been like, come on, come on, let's do it. And then they get in there and they're like, I need to go. The crowd is pushing me. People are at every corner and I'm having a freak out and I'm not okay. And I've been like, oh shit. Okay, so you can't do the pit like I do. Okay, no Prodigy concert for you. Although that last freak out was at a gold frap concert and it was real bad. I had to get taught, like, like lift it out. Yeah, it was just sort of like, you know, people start to pushing, then you get hot and then it's hard to breathe and just... I'm the kind of person that I like that kind of intense vibe in a concert, but people with social anxiety, that is not the fucking move. Okay, so yes. And Lister's rubbing her back and Ann Walker starts to talk about how she's glad that... And Lister did not confront Ainsworth. And I feel like we we're both like, why, bitch? Why? why? This, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the confrontation between these two. Well, she said, oh, I mean, but I still might. It really just depends on how smart he decides to be with his next couple of actions. Yeah, she, and- <laughs> she was like, she was like, I mean, I still intend to if it becomes necessary. I feel like Ann Walker's response was like, ooh, uh, well, because she was like, do you think it will? You know, do you think it will become necessary? She's like, well, I mean... <laughs> If he doesn't turn down this motherfucking clergy position, doesn't have the wit to, to see what's right in front of his eyes, not to turn it down, then yeah, yeah, it may do to say something. And I feel like Ann Walker was like, well, I'm both terrified and turned on at your response because that's not the response I wanted, but that's also the response I wanted, both at the same time. You're hinting at some sort of delicious violence, but also, um, I'm a little scared. <laughs> <laughs> my nethers, my petticoats. <laughs> Which is, is why she was like, so you gonna stay tonight? <laughs> yes. I was like, right after she was like, you gonna stay tonight? No, you gonna right. stay tonight? Now that you brought up these things that got my petticoats a mess, uh, just wondering, will you stay over? And Anna's like, well, <laughs> need you ask. I guess I could send a note for you, genies, to pack my night bag. Like, okay, don't don't sound so dejected and excited. And then uh, doesn't she also wonder, like, uh, if Miss Parker will be okay? <laughs> with her spending the night like she's like well, or she it's like a little inside joke right, she's like, like well, she... well i put miss parkhill's no- nose <laughs> out <Right>. of jaunt <laughs> right. and anna's like I, I don't think i don't think so i don't think she cares she's like i don't think so um I, she seems to find you fascinating like she thinks you're fascinating did you not hear her call you extraordinary mm-hmm. earlier when you were talking about Covier? so yeah for at her least mouth for the- <laughs> open and she said i thought to myself <laughs> i to myself and no one can convince me that I mean, obviously, Anne Walker's like, can you stay over for the grubbles? But also because Anne helps her to feel safe. But you can't convince me that Anne Lister also doesn't enjoy being needed. I mean, yes, of well, course. Yeah. Most people do, especially type A personalities that like to do. And so, yes, this is what this is. This is why she loves it. She loves it. like, yeah, I'm being needed. I'm, I'm necessary. I am invaluable. And at this point, irreplaceable. Although later in the episode, oh, that irreplaceability gets I'm tested a little bit with propaganda. But mm. yikes. And then and and Walker continues talking about how she's glad she told Ann Lister everything, but that she feels so humbled and depressed in her estimation of herself. And I'm just like, no. And Ann Lister is like, no, don't, because you are blameless. And then she gives her a lovely kiss on the nape. And I was like, see, isn't it nice when you can kiss the nape with no resistance? Right. And Walker asks if she can dispose of some yes. things for her that apparently she has that Ainsworth gave to her. She opens up her draw, which is neat as hell. Very well organized. But maybe she didn't do it. Maybe one of the servants did. I'm not sure. 
<laughs> but she removes like this little book, which seems to be a small Bible and a ring and takes them and she gives them to Anne who examines them and then reads the inscription in the Bible that says to my dearest Anne, the only one I may rest upon from your own Thomas Ainsworth. And I was like, I am disgusted. And Anne Lister was like, I am disgusted. <laughs> rest upon. Rest upon? What do you mean by that? Rest upon? Rest where, bitch? Ooh, what a wretch. And you can see that she is dreaming of horse whipping in that moment. And, uh, <laughs> I was too. I was too. And where do we cut? Oh, we're at nighttime after this. We're at nighttime and we're at the Anne's in bed at Cronest. And, and Lister is talking about how she's been thinking for a while that without a more formal tie between them, what they're doing is just as bad as any other casual connection. And our baby gay is like, but didn't we say when we came back from our travels and shit and move into Shipton, it would be good as marriage? I mean, that's what you basically you when you remember when you like it was a proposal. You said it was a proposal and we were going to do this six months thing. And then the six months wasn't wasn't good enough because Ainsworth. But didn't we discuss this? It's a marriage, right? Good as a marriage. Mm-hmm. And and let's just like, yeah, yes, it will be. But and then, you know, we get this close up. We go from like a mid shot to a close up shots on the face. And she's like, I mean, she practically whispers this where she's like, but would you have any objection to taking the sacrament together? Either here or at Shibden and swearing the oaths on the Bible. And uh, then they could give each other rings and wear them always. And does she ask like in front of a crowd? And then she's like, no, that it would be a, a private when Ann Lister is like, um, swear O's, take our O's. Ann Walker does respond because she immediately, she immediately gets it. She's like, so swearing vows on a Bible, like a wedding. And the response in Ann Lister's face is like, oh my God, yeah, see, you always just get it. I knew you were gay. Yes, like a wedding, exactly like a wedding. Oh my God. And then Ann Walker's like in front of people. And she doesn't even look like she's opposed to the in front of people. She just wants clarification. And she's like, well, no, no, actually, no. <laughs> No. <laughs> Woo, slow down. Not in front of people. It would have to be a private matter, a private understanding. But in all other respects, yes, very much a wedding. And our baby gay's initial response is so happy. It's rather adorable. She's like, yay, a big gay wedding. I love it. I can see it right now. What am I going to wear? How big are my sleeves going to be? But then she's like, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Excuse me. Back down to earth. You'll get fed up with me. So let me not dream. I'm like, <laughs> why do you keep doing this? You said that sort of almost exactly at the same time as Anne. Where you're like, why do you keep saying things like this? And at the same time, Anne Lister's like, why do you, why do you have such a poor opinion of yourself? And then she says one of the best lines of the episode. She says, I don't when I'm with you. And she's like, when I'm with you, I could take on the world. Yeah, I, I melted it. I went beyond cavity into changing, changing physical states. It was physics (laughs) that happened to me in this scene because I was like, bitch. This is it right here. She's like, with you, I can, I'm, I'm strong as shit. Like I can take on the world. And then, and Lister's just like, well, <laughs> well then. And I just, I mean, I feel like this is a very important moment and it's a bit, it gets contradicted in a certain kind of sense by the end of the episode. Not really contradicted, but just sort of like, we see the reality of it that when Ann Walker is with Ann Lister, we see it. She's strong as fuck. And Ainsworth came over. She didn't even look at her bae to be like, no, get out. I didn't ask you to come over right. here. I'm she busy. Was like, <laughs> please remind Mr. Ainsworth that Later I sent my note to that effect only just this morning that I was not receiving any guests. Right. And then when she's off on her own, everything goes wrong. But it's a super powerful statement that she makes. It's very simple, but I think it's it's a huge contrast to Mariana because theoretically that that's that was never the case for Mariana, that Mariana 
had every opportunity to just sort of be with Anne and use her for strength and prop each other up as couples do. But she never had that commitment. And Anne Walker says very plainly that she's a stronger person when Anne Lister's around. And you're just like, oh. And then they share a very tender kiss. And Anne Lister even gives her like, she gives her like a double kiss, but then like an Eskimo kiss and like a kiss on the hand. I'm yes, like, what is this? What is this romance, bitch? Enough! <laughs> Do you want me to completely, completely disappear because I've melted so intensely I cannot melt any further into the chair? <laughs> like it was very fucking sweet and tender. I just can't. And then she just, and then, and then before the scene ends, she's just staring at a bitch. You could tell she went to sleep like that. She went to sleep, just staring at a hoe, them staring at each other in love. Just like, oh my God, can't wait till we're married. Can't wait till we get our rings. Can't wait till we do all these things. And was definitely thinking about getting the ring right in that moment. She was like, gosh, yes. I need to jaunt and get this ring straight away because this, this is happening. It's all happening. And I'm so happy. Everyone's happy. It's so great. And at that moment, we were so happy. We were like, it's so great. <laughs> it's so great. and so gay. It's perfect. <sighs> but then we cut to the, the next scene and it's the morning time. Uh, is this... Uh... When uh, uh, they're delivering the letter in the main house to Ainsworth, is that where we are? Yeah, we're back at the Priestley's <laughs> and it's breakfast. And Ainsworth looks a little bit worse it's for like, wear. Oh. His hair is a mess. Looks like he did not have a good night's sleep. Probably concerned about what was happening over at the Walker estate. And a servant walks in returning his bullshit gifts. And it's like, hey, bro. Right. He's like, this I got looks you. I got a letter. familiar. I got a letter. And he's like, um, hmm. so um, your biography of yourself and your scrapbook has re been returned to you I'm unopened. I'm going to play that clip Ooh, because that's, yes. it needs to be recounted. Dear sir, I return your package containing the drawing room scrapbook and your biographical account of yourself unopened. <laughs> unopened. Even my friend, Miss Lister, surveillance. It's adorable. Ann Walker can't spell surveillance. surveillance. She's like surveillance. What? E I Surveillance. Surveillance. She's rubbing her back like it's okay, boo. Any subsequent communication you choose to make with me should be sent via her at Shipton Hall. She said, "Send all You're future communication to Shipton." And then she signs it, "Sincerely, A Walker," which is so important because we've heard and read a lot about Georgian language and how signing it really indicates how you see someone, how you hold them in esteem and. Is this platonic or is this romantic? And she was like, bitch, let me just confirm to you that there is nothing happening here. Sincerely, A. a Walker. Don't call me my first name. And this goes back to what we were saying about Mrs. Barlow and the whole Eliza thing where she was like, don't call me Eliza. Eliza, you're calling me on my right. first name. We're not on first name basis anymore. We're back to the surname basis. Call me Mrs. Priestley. So that's what we see here is that Ainsworth gets a new letter. <laughs> and Anne has been like, listen, babe, just um, why don't you tell him that the next time he wants to write, to write me. Is that, mm. are you, you're good with that? She's mm. like, I'm definitely good with that because I'm sick of his letters. And Ainsworth is reading the shit and he shook. He's like, what? Who's, ooh, I, wait a minute, hold up. So I'm to send all future letters to this place shipped in whole with Ann Lister. Who the fuck is, who is Ann Lister? And before he can even have time to really figure it out, Eliza's like, oh, anything new? Anything new in the letter? And he's like, oh, well, she didn't like my presence. Um, your advice was horrible. And it seems it was too soon and I totally overstepped the mark. All the marks to overstep, I did it. It's no, not going Eliza's well. No, Eliza's like, well, no, no, no. She just, she doesn't really know what she needs so how about i just go kind of pop in on your behalf he's like lord no lord you don't have to don't do anything he's like you're <laughs> the friend is scary look i don't need you to do that don't volunteer yourself to speak to her to pop by and do anything and eliza's like no but really it's not a trouble he's like really bitch what I look you you're trying really hard really hard to work on my <laughs> behalf i'm trying to tell you that i've just messed my pants reading this letter and i do not need you to inveigle yourself on my behalf with miss walker that's cool it's totally fucking fine 
And husband's like, well, then you could focus your matters on the conference, you know, the reason why you're actually in town, unless that was just a ploy and you're really here for, for Anne. Oh, oh, and then isn't there a knock on the door? Yeah, we do get a knock. Technically, you hear the foley of the knock right around the time that he finishes the letter. Yes. And by the time the servant gets to the door, I guess, and sees it's Miss Lister, we've had all that conversation about whatever with Eliza and her husband. And then the servant comes in. It's like, oh, Miss Lister of Shift and Holt is here. And he's like, what? <laughs> What? <laughs> like the screenshot? I got to put on Insta the screenshot of his face. And then they cut to Mr. Priestley. He's like, what the fuck? Will someone explain this magic lesbian shit to me? Because how, how was Miss Lister here? How did she just, how did she just know? How did she just know that Eliza was on her fuck shit trying to fucking grubble block again? And then wait, and I think it's like, because he's like, do you want her to stay in the study while you finish breakfast? Like, no, you can sit out here. Mr. Ainsworth's like, oh my God. Yeah, because she was like, (laughs) (laughs) because Ainsworth was like, hold up, what? Yeah, that's where he's like, Miss Lissa of Shipton Hole. And um, I think Eliza's like, you know of her? (laughs) And then it's the husband that's like, how? And that's where he's like, what is this lesbian (laughs) magic? How do you know this bitch exists? We just, what? You just got here. How do you know about Miss Lister? And he's like, oh, she, and she must have, she, she hasn't written to me except for this one time, but she must have said something some other time about Miss Lister of Shibden Hole. Um, I would like to go to my room. You know, I'm going to say a quick hello, quick hello, but then I'm going to go to my room and just, I'm going to, I'm just going to sort some stuff and probably get to packing. And before he could finish, she listen, jumps just, right she in. jumps right in. She's like, excuse me. Hello, 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 hello. <laughs> Priestley. She's oh, like, oh, wait, with. you have company. Oh, well, um, you know. Sorry about your wife or whatever. I'm I'm sure it was a tragic loss. I mean, she gives excellent shade. I have to imagine that Anne was like, okay, babe, write this letter. I'm going to help you dictate. This is how you spell surveillance. Let's give it to James. James set out and like two seconds later, she was behind James. And yep. James is like, do you want me to walk with you, my sister? She's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm jaunting alone. I'm going to the priestly's too, but I'm just going to show up like two minutes after you. It's fine. It's fine. Keep your pace. And then she gets there and she's shading immediately. And while she's talking to them, she's shading at the same time because it's sort of like well first of all she comes swaggering in with her walking stick and her top hat and immediately he's like whoa and eliza does try to warn him ahead of time by saying oh miss list is very eccentric but you know her family's one of the oldest in halifax and so we put up with it and it's like a little precursor to hey when this woman comes in she will be on some shit you've never seen before and she comes in and he's like holy shit she is on some shit i've never seen before look at this posture look at this fucking top hat what the fuck and she's like oh ainsworth not not to intrude i didn't know to know there was company here. <laughs> you know this bitch is like, I'm uncomfortable because you just sent this letter and I feel like you knew I was here because you addressed it specifically to me and then the letter arrived here and then you arrived right after the letter but you're trying to pretend like you didn't know there was company and Lister? No, that's not how that works. She gets to talking about needing a favor from Eliza. Yes. And um. immediately Eliza, because she got shade. The minute Anne Lister comes in, she's like, um, I, you're not giving me grubble so I'm upset. So she brings up the cart incident that happened with you know the hard castles on her property she says oh well this incident didn't fare as tragic as the one with your wife well before then she's like <laughs> she starts and then she's like so when she comes in she starts talking that shit she's in her conversation about yeah i need a favor but oh this is gonna be boring to you right because you just lost your wife i mean this must be how boring must this be for a man like you you know grieving and shit for your wife that's just dead and shit and he's like oh yeah, my- my dead wife. She's like, yeah, yeah, so I need a favor because, you know, the accident and stuff. And little boy was thrown, Henry. And it's kind of ridiculous because she's like, look, this boy is a tenant of mine. <laughs> and I'm just like, 
wait. Now we're back to Ann on her weird shit because she's like, this boy's a fucking tenant with his family. And now he can never work on the farm. Do you know how much value I've lost? Right. Off this fucking shit. So here's what we're going to do. It turns out that one of Washington's daughters talked to this fucking kid and he has some brains. He has a piece of IQ. So what I would like to do, Eliza, is send him to your day school, maybe. So he can make something of himself. And Eliza, it's weird because I feel like she's caught between some weirdness where she's like mad at Ann. And she wants to be rude, but she still has to be polite to a certain degree because she does offer her a refreshment. Reluctantly, she's like, can I get you some some tea? And right. Anne's like, no, thank no, you. No, no thank you. Right. I'm just going to be jaunting in and out real quick. <laughs> yeah, she definitely was like, I can't stop. Um, and she's like, you know, I feel like this this boy, this Hardcastle, that he's going to be... He's gonna be sitting on the Iron Throne one day, so I would love to give him some. <laughs> Iron Throne. I would what? love to give him some. I fucking care with you. What the hell? Like, like, um. Well, I don't want to say. No, who. I get your reference. Oh, okay. I'm just still like, what the fuck? <laughs> so I want to give him some, you know, some education. And she's like, oh, you need something from me, Annie. You know how you know how important and special I feel when you need something from me, a favor. But I'm upset that you have me feeling this way about giving you a favor that I'm feeling good about giving you a favor. God damn it, Miss Lister. I, I just hate how charming you are. That's what I got from what that actress was serving as Eliza, that she was like reluctantly pleased that well, Anne yeah. needed something from her. And, and she gives she, it. She gives it by the end of the like, conversation. Of like, course, you know, have I him take come care down. of the expenses. I didn't talk to the hardcasters about this favor yet because I don't know, I if, you're, know. I don't know if you're gonna say right. yes. So you might, wanna, you might say like, some fuck shit. I don't get their hopes up to be like, oh, I'm sorry, your child with the with the broken leg cannot get it. It's not broken. Education. It's, it's gone. gone. <laughs> Why would you say it's broken? It's, it's missing. Gone. It's MIA. His leg is his, his leg has been buried in the grounds of Shibden. So <laughs> So, yeah, she's like, yeah, the boy can come by. He can come around about 8 a.m. on Monday. It's cool. He can learn some shit. He might be five minutes late, you know. Oh, so, my God. <laughs> Miss Lake, you are so you know, wrong. I'm just, hey. And in between there, Anne was dropping hints like, well, you know, especially since the richest motherfucker in Halifax is responsible for this shit. And he, he's not taking responsibility. And Mr. Priestley's like, who? Who, Anne? I love and- how Mr. Priestley's saying who and Mrs. Priestley is like, but who could she be talking about? That's because Mrs. Priestley is having a favor asked of her and Anne has her 100% attention. That's because that's what it is. Because when you're in the light of Anne Lister, when you have her attention, you love it. You like it. You mm. enjoy it. You're like, I don't know. Just being in this, being in the spotlight feels so good. My petticoats. And so <laughs> even though she's pissed off at Anne, she's pissed off more at herself for wanting this attention, for being upset that she's upset that Anne now has all the attention when she really wants it for herself. Because she literally could not shut the fuck up in episode one, two, and three. Right. About, about Ann Lister until she was like, oh, I see. And of course, Ann doubles down. She's like, well, I can't, I can't prove it, but well, because that's people are afraid he, to come forward. Mr. Priestley asked three times right. before she's like, back to my other thing about the boy, blah, blah, blah. And before she leaves, he's like, Ann, who is it? <laughs> Ann, I have asked you two other times and you've completely ignored what I said. Who, who, who is it? And she's like, well, I mean, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to say somebody who maybe sits on the bench. And then Mr. Priestley's like, oh my God. The Rawsons. Mr. Rawson. He's like, she's like, but you gotta go. But you gotta go. Time's up. Time's up. I gotta go. I gotta jaunt. I have things to do. (laughs) People to see. Goodbye. Right. (laughs) And yeah, and then she leaves. But not before she gives Ainsworth another stare. Because this entire time, she's been looking back and forth. Like when she said stuff like, oh, the Hardcastles are good people. She looked him in the eye like, good people. You know, not like yourself, you piece of shit. Right. No, yeah. And he was feeling all of it. That undertone was definitely there. Mm, I'm scared. This Miss Lister is way scarier than she was in the letter. And that was a really strongly worded letter that shook me to my core. And so um, I think we should actually throw the jaunty music because she does jaunt uh-huh. the fuck out of there. I was like, if there was stare. a bell, it would have been ringing. But she it was at home. But instead, it's a motherfucking jaunt. 
And this bitch gets to Jonathan out of the house. Right. But, but she barely cur- curves around the bend and someone... She didn't even get around the bend. She right. barely, she, like you said, she can just see the bend and so then here comes motherfucking Ainsworth. You have to imagine the same way how uh, the letter left <laughs> Crow's Nest and Alistair left right after the letter left. Oh, she left right after the letter. So now she's now the letter. <laughs> you know what? She, she shook Ainsworth so intensely to his core. He was like, I need to speak to this woman before she leaves because she, <laughs> I feel like she has the wrong idea. I need, I need to clear things up. I'm and sure Mr. Priestley was like, wait, where are you? Where are you going, Ainsworth? What is happening? What's going on with you? And yeah, he calls after her and he's like, Miss Lister, Miss Lister. Uh, she's like, oh, hello, <laughs> you. Hello. How can I help you? But no, we got to play some of this clip. I was hoping it's that the she would have. of the top of Sandry well, yes. of the episode. Yes. He tries to explain his wording to her, but it's it's pointless. He he went from blaming on the alcohol to depression to opioids to. He went through it all. And I'm like, you're just a horrible person. Like opium. Like, really? Like, like you're just really? a man. It's the opium's fault. Is it? Some preacher. And here we Let's go. go. Miss Lister. Miss Lister. Oh, hello. Having trouble keeping up. So, uh, f- first of all, you must allow me to uh, apologize. When are you leaving? In my defence. <laughs> when are you <laughs> leaving? for a second. She said, she said, he's there trying to talk. And the first thing out of her mouth is like, when are you leaving? That's, that's all I need to know. That's the only information I need from you is when the fuck are you leaving? In my defence. Sorry? When also, her posture is great. <laughs> no, it's been Good. this whole so exchange. Her posture is great. When? You're leaving tomorrow when? morning, but so the th- the thing is, uh, the thing I I, I need to explain, <laughs> she's looking around like bitch. I thought I to myself, this man is quite. Even if you were offered the position, it would be very unwise of you. Very unwise, very unwise of you to accept sorry? it. He's like, oh, sorry, what? I don't wish to embarrass you any more than you've embarrassed yourself. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> when I wrote that first letter to Miss Walker, I imagine that's what this is about. Oh, uh, some of it. The bitch. wording was. I accept, somewhat overfamiliar, and I may have been rather too quick. I love how she's looking off to the well. side, like, "Bitch, you are wasting is, my time and wasting I was your breath." Under the influence of there you go, opium, uh, which is not. Look at she's so, so <laughs> she's so disgusted with him. She's like, "God, you fucking wretch." Yes, but I've we're not just talking Italy. about a crudely worded letter, are we? Are we? Is are we, Ainsworth? As an adulterer. Fornicator. And a fornicator. I think I like that second one better. Fornicator (laughs) just sounds worse. Right. The thing you must appreciate, Miss Lister, is that there is always more than one side. No, bitch. There's only one side. The victim victim side, side. bitch. That's it. Just the one side. advantage of a vulnerable young woman, you inflicted yourself on those yes. No, that's no. With your wife. In, in the, the next, next goddamn room. Like, Hopefully, how low can you be? It's disgusting. I just love this don't. fucking energy. Do not tell me she was She put that stick in his face know. like she was about to break his nose. You preyed on her insecurities to the point where she believed she deserved no better. That literally sums up Ann Walker in she like a sentence. She wanted more than I did. Oh! See? See? That? Look, see, this is, this is, this, let's let her get this last line out before we scream. I'm mortally sorry you are not worth knocking down. And once more, this is the best. Part. I urge you to appreciate the propriety and necessity of neither Miss Walker nor myself ever hearing anything about you in this world ever again. Mm. And I trust we have no reason to fear bumping into you in the next. Yo, the look she looks, the way she looks him up and down, fucking reverend. As she flicks his dog collar, she flicks his reverendness. 
that piece of that piece of cloth. And she's like, bitch, I know I don't fear seeing you in the nest right, either, this, bitch. Because like, you're not going to the good place. You're going to the bad place. You're going to the bad place. I love how the camera was playing with their height throughout the entire exchange. Because it looked like one was taller than the other in the beginning of the argument. But that, but that, that, that bitch end, stepped up. That bitch stepped up. Right, she's like, who's taller? End, who's taller? Now you know me better. Right, exactly. <laughs> when I stand up right with misandry. Just everything about that scene, to be frank, is all of my best thing. And you're right because the positioning of the top hat, Saran Jones is fairly tall. I believe she's like 5'8", I want to say. So not taller than me, but taller than most actresses in the business. And um, they use it to their advantage here with how they position them with her top hat on. But then of course, like you say, how like the, the, the weight shifts in the footsteps. And by the time that the scene's done, she's literally toe to toe, head to head with him. And she's got, she's, she's got the bigger big dick energy. Like yes. If I've had to put money on the fight, I'm, I'm like everything on Enlista, please. <laughs> she doesn't even need her stick. <laughs> I just know she's going to beat this motherfucker down. And um, it was delicious to quote Mariana. And I don't know why I just acknowledged that I'm quoting Mariana to say, that was delicious, Freddie. <laughs> I'm sorry. God, it's because I was working on my Mariana papers as it was, and it's in my mind. And there <laughs> you have it, folks. We have reached the height of heights of this episode. This is as high as it goes. It, goes, it goes no <laughs> higher than this. You're like, then it just now, goes You can flow, just pray and hope that we flow, just sort of sift flow, flow, flow. and coast. Or are we gonna like do like a roller coaster? What, you mean? what just... you mean coast? We ain't coasting nowhere. I'm on this trying to coast show. up high where I am until the end. But chances are, I'm, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> chances are, something's gonna happen and it's gonna be a deep. Oh, chances dive. are, it's almost like you watched the episode already. Yeah, mm-hmm, chances are, mm-hmm. <laughs> chances are that actually we get a we. That's not true. We ascend a little bit higher after this because it cuts to fucking her in Washington. I mean, we're gonna have to to cue the jaunty music actually because. Oh, it's, in this um, conversation where she's talking with Washington, she basically lets him know, like, hey, bitch, we about to sing a bit. Like, and he's like, really? Really? Like, wait, really? And she's like, yeah, Mr. Holt is looking through prices and stuff where he says some people can bid. And Washington's like, so would you like me to put it together for you guys? The bidding thing? And she was like, yeah, do that shit. I mean, isn't that why you're working for me? <laughs> he's like, okay, in a fortnight, on Friday. And and Johnson's to town. And in this moment, before we go down, she's having the best day ever in a certain kind of sense because what she was just able to do, not that necessarily Charles is on par with Mariana, although I will have to say, if you have a heterosexual man and a queer woman who doesn't always want his sexual advances, the likelihood that there was some sort of potential sexual assaulty situation between Mariana and Charles is very high at some point in their relationship that like Anne would never been able to do that. The most she could do is talk shit about Charles in a letter and be like, can't wait till this motherfucker dies and looks what happened. He found out and they couldn't really see each other for like a year in a sense and they couldn't really write each other and things were burned and whatever the fuck. And so the fact that there's a dude trying to inveigle himself into the relationship, on top of that, he's a piece of shit. And she was able to go and be like, you're a piece of shit. Here's my walking stick. In your nostril, motherfucker. And if you make one move, I swear, you're done. I mean, that's got to be so satisfying. After having a morning of sweet grubbles and stuff and like reassurements, all those things, whatever. Your girlfriend is like, I got you, boo. I'm paying for the pit. Everything's going to be gravy. Like, Anne is feeling good. She's like, I'm jaunting. Miss Park Hill's like, oh my God, you're extraordinary. I got thrashed in bad Gavin, but everything's going well. Told Ainsworth to fucking kiss my ass. Everything is fantastic. Just saw Washington, Washington, we sink in the fucking pit, bitch. Let me jaunt home. And then when she gets home, like, she is in full jaunt mode. She's like, hey, 
fucking baby booth. Hey, Argus. Argus is outside first. She's like, what up, Argus? It's a beautiful morning. And Argus is like, ooh. And then she sees baby booth. And then she sees Cordelia. She's feeling good. She sees Marion. She's like, Cordelia, remind me. I have to talk to you. Like, not now. Not right now. Later, though. And Cordelia's like, oh, shit. <laughs> and then Marion's like, uh, well, will you be in for tea tomorrow? Because Mr. Abbott's coming back. Actually, let me, let me do the jaunt. <laughs> Because we didn't do the jaunt because there's not going to be many opportunities left, if any, after oh, the episode oh, to jaunt into a yeah. scene. So we must jaunt into the scene. This is a jaunt for the sinking of the pit. This is a jaunt for... This is a jaunt for the misandry she just achieved. This is a jaunt for her sinking of the pit and getting money from her girl. This is a jaunt for just killing it overall. Yeah, no, she is. She's jaunting because she is killing it right now. She's winning friends. Here we are. We're jaunting. And she's like, okay, Washington, here's what's happening. Holt. Holt is doing this, and I haven't heard back from the Ross since. It's been a week. I told them 160 pounds. What was it, 11 shillings? 10 shillings? And I haven't heard back from them. It's been a week, oh, so you know what we're doing? Yes. We, we sink in a pit. And he's like, okay, we're good, good. I'm, I'm excited. I've, you know, I've never seen the sinking of a pit, really. But I'm so excited to be doing this with you. And then we get back to the crib. And she says hi to everyone, like we said, Argus. And then Baby Booth, who's spilling some water. I'm like, I hope that's not pissed. I hope it's just water. Right, me You're too. in your Sunday best outfit. I don't think that's good. Right. And then she sees Eugenie and says good morning. And she sees, and then accordingly, who's like, ma'am. And she's like, yeah, bitch, we got to talk later. And she's like, oh, ma'am, uh, now? No, not now, accordingly. I'm jaunting, <laughs> but later. And then she passes Marion, who's like, oh, how's Miss Walker? <laughs> you know, being very sweet. Yeah, and she's, she's like, oh, she's um, hanging in there. she's on the mend. And Marion's like, great, because I really just want to ask you, um, so about Mr. Abbott. And immediately Anne's like, I right, let me take these stairs two by two so I can get to the top. And she's like, so Mr. Abbott, he's coming around for tea tomorrow. And Anne is like, what time? 4 p.m. Will you be around? No. no. <laughs> she was like, I asked you the time to let you know that I will not be around. Because exactly. I wasn't sure what time I wouldn't be around tomorrow afternoon. You just told me it's four. So I will not be around from four to well, how long is he staying till six till six. And then back in her study and writes a letter to a jeweler in York to get a French onyx cabochon and rose cut diamond Ooh. engagement ring that she saw in her display cabinet when she was last there. So uh, 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 I feel like we need to acknowledge what, what they've just done in this show. They said to us. That while she was in York, where we had our Gruber on the way back. Yes. That Anne was was jaunting about town with Anne Walker. And either with Anne Walker in her presence or not. Perhaps that she saw this beautiful ring and she was like, that's, that's the, the one. my wife. Uh -huh. I know! And then wrote a letter to be like, I need this fucking thing. I need this ring. That was my phone. She was like, I need this fucking ring. And apparently it cost 30 pounds. That's a lot of goddamn pounds. That is. That's like a fifth of what she's charging Christopher Rawson for a year. And we know that Ann Lister don't got bread like that. She's not like Ann Walker. Just got bread to burn. So she's really going out. She is showing out for her fancy fucking fiance. We, again, we were excited at this point before there were reasons to go, to go down. And then from there, we get a quick cut to the bank where Anne is getting the, the banker's draft. And for a moment, I believe we see Rawson. Uh, who's also at the bank. Right. And he like kind of looks at Anne, who got no time for him. She's like, bitch, I'm jaunted. I'm gay. I'm so inspired right now. I got to get my ring for my wife. I don't even notice you in this bank. You didn't give me a letter. You're not interested in Nicole. So there's nothing for us to talk about. And so he's just kind of like, oh, okay, she's not going to say shit to me. Uh, no. no, no, she's not, Christopher. <sighs> that's, my, that's my sad side. Just like, God. And from here, don't we cut to really quick um, after she requests the banker's draft to the Souden farm? Uh, are we here already this quickly? Um, now, after the bank, I'm pretty sure we cut to the Souden farm. Just for a quick Southern view farm, of the mom finding the yes. buckle. So it's like uh, you see the young girl, they're feeding, and she goes to feed the second pen. 
And that's just, you know, this is something glittering there. And it's like, it looks goldish, but we don't know if it's gold Maybe or it's not. brass. All right. <laughs> They're it could, poor. Right, exactly. They're poor. Although could, she did say the belt was passed down. But then right. again, I still feel like poor people would pass down brass. Gold and, is malleable. It would bend. Brass makes more true. sense. But anyways, yes, yes, yes. She sees the belt and you get a vision. You're like, she knows. She gets it. She knows. And she thought about it for two seconds. And she's like, this motherfucker's dead. And he's been fed to the pigs. And I think right after that, we actually cut back to Crow Nest with Ann Walker and Miss Parkhill. And both women are kind of gazing, <laughs> but for totally different reasons, because Ann Walker is totally gazing and in love and like doing some sort of needlepoint, I guess, while she thinks about her girlfriend and Miss Parkhill. She was also actually thinking about Miss Lister, but just not having the same kind of dreams. Right. She was having he- wedding dreams. But she doesn't say nice stuff. She's like, wow, you know, you're very lucky to have Anne because she's very engaging and all this shit. And. Our baby gay is like, so you like her? And Park Hill is like, well, you know, I think you're very lucky to know someone so clever and interesting and who cares about you. You hardly need me here when she's here. And I'm like, bitch, exactly. Why is you here? Go home. Right. That You're not been, needed. You're not needed. That would have been my cue to leave personally. I should be, but, she doesn't get any cues. And then Walker's like, that's true, 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 true. Let me go back to my needlepoint. You're just saying things I already know about my girlfriend. But then Park Hill keeps talking. And she's like, well, you know, I do wonder, though, if you should consider maybe, you know, the marriage proposal. I mean, come on. A He's a clergyman. clergyman. This is the patriarchy. Aren't clergymen the best? And then Walker's just like, God. She's like, well, first, no. And then second, but I don't love him. And she's like, but well, that none of that. She's like, that doesn't matter, and she right? asked, she's like, what if I was in love with someone else? And then she gives the clue because she's like, well, who cares about love? This is the patriarchy. Did you hear what I said? It's the patriarchy. We don't need love. And she's like, well, what if I, what if, what if my heart, you know, kind of belongs to another person? And she's like, well, who, who's, who's he? But before that question can be answered, oh, Mom. what is happening? Ev- what is happening all episode? We're trying to have a moment, and then there's a mom. Okay, that was a mistake, but that was appropriate. Right. Miss no, Pusey's at no. the door. It's like, Lord, I didn't hear it ring. Oh, she snuck through the back bump. Like, oh. Actually, we have to highlight this uh <laughs> this this moment because we don't get too many oft looks into zero fucks to give and Walker, but like kind of with an attitude. We see it right here. Because James comes to the door and he's like, oh, man, Mrs. Priestley. Uh, and immediately Anna's like, I didn't hear the bell. What you mean? And he's like, well, you know, um, that's because she used the back door again, again, ma'am. Remember like how the other day when she ran out, she used the back door again. And she's like, oh, OK. If you have the subtitles on at that time, it says that Ann Walker groans because she's sick of her <laughs> shit. And she's like, God, this bitch is always sneaking in. What the fuck? Uh, and she's like, OK, James, let her in, I guess. And after she tells James that, she looks at Park Hill and she's like, I don't feel um, well. <laughs> I'm probably going I'm probably, I'm probably to say that my back is hurting me and I'm going to just excuse myself from the shit. Because James mentions that she's there to call on both her and Mrs. Park or Miss Park Hill. And so, which is interesting because she's like, well, if I can't talk to you, Anne, and get what I want, I will talk to your friend and do some fuck shit. And so then James shows Eliza in with her giant ass, fake ass smile. Like, it's really, it's a really big smile. It's fake as fuck. And what does she say? First thing in, oh, how's the invalid? Again, twice this episode, two people who are supposed to be people who care about her and love her are calling her an invalid. Once again, she's just quiet. She's like, "Mm, used to you tearing me down. That's cool. Don't even want to see you here. And just kind of like looks annoyed. And Eliza then volunteers that since Ainsworth went off to have his little clergy conference, she thought she would just stop by and be her usual nosy busybody self. And Ann Walker's just like, whatever. Um, and obviously just excuses herself after that. Because when we get back to it, Eliza and Miss Parkhill are alone. 
and Anne has already excused herself to the room. And then um, Eliza starts in on her shitty behavior. And what bothered me about that is that she starts out by saying, she, you know, oh, I have no idea how well you know Miss Miss Walker. And it's like, okay, so if you don't know how well she knows Miss Walker, why are you talking about her private okay. business to this woman? Okay. What are you doing? You don't care. She's you totally gossip to everyone. Her, no. her husband. I imagine Mrs. Priestley goes to whatever fucking 19th century bodega is out there to get some fucking cheese or tea. And she's like, listen, random person selling me tea. I don't know if you ever heard about Miss Miss Walker, but um, um, she she is in trouble. Let me tell you why. She's on the grubbles. I don't know if you heard, but two men were hung just the other day, just the other day. And I don't know. I just feel like we should probably like, I don't know. I don't know. But Ann Walker, I don't know. But this is Mrs. Priestley. Everybody, everybody, the mailman, the letterman, the postman, whatever. Hey, do you have you guys heard about Ann Walker? Do you know that she's on the grubbles? Do you know that she's headed towards <laughs> hell if she doesn't stop and turn around right now? So she's all up in the business. I can't stand this hell. And she starts to slander and Lister essentially and says, well, you know, I'm not sure if you know what she what she's going through, but she's been inveigled in a relationship. And Park Hill's like, oh, well, she's mentioned being in love, you know. And Eliza's immediately like, you mean beguiled, not in love, beguiled. Lesbians can't love, they can only beguile because I've been beguiled and still I have no grubbles to show for it. Then she says more inflammatory shit that Ann Walker will be ostracized, you know, jeered at in the streets, pilloried. And Park Hill's like, oh my God, what could you possibly be talking about, pilloried? That's intense. Two men hung in York? What the fuck are you talking about? And she's like, well, you know, have you, have you met Miss Lista? Surely you have found her charming. And I love the way that for a moment, Miss Park was like, yes, yes, she's I like, have yeah. met her. And yeah, yeah, I do find she her charming. Yeah, she's, as a matter of fact, she's charming as fuck. Really? I, I love Miss Lister. She's like, yeah, well, let me tell you something. Miss Lister is unnatural. And is honestly. Like, um, what do you mean? Does she like science or something? I mean, yeah, because she told me about, you know, the doctor in Paris, the scientist that she met, Monsieur uh, Covier. Yeah, she's like, no, that's not what I mean. That's not what I mean at all. <laughs> and we cut away. Because we're never going to know what these women actually think lesbianism is. We're just like, it'll always be like that, uh, that tale or I don't know, some sort of, some sort of myth that we'll never get to hear of like, well, this is what she does to them. Cut camera. So we can't hear what these women are talking about, but she, she obviously tells her something that terrifies right. motherfucking Park Hill. Like teeth? Like, does she buy it? She's like, the demons rise from the nethers and, <laughs> <laughs> and the evil sapphic vapors. I don't know what the fuck she could have been saying to this bitch, but um, it's ridiculous because it's, an, it's, a, it's a complete distinct contrast to what Eliza says in episode one, when she's cooing on and on about Ann Lister and saying that she is actually to her nature, that Ann Lister is odd, an odd freak is the phrase she uses, but that she is acting in accordance with her nature 100%. And here we have her now in episode five where she's like, she's unnatural. It's not normal. What she does isn't right. And it's like, wow, bitch, um, talk about a 180 that you've done here. Well, this is the reason why she's fighting and redoubling the efforts to be now on the side of the gossip because she's been the one defending Alistair in public. For the grubbles. <laughs> For the that she's grubbles. not getting. And she's mad. <laughs> and she needs everyone to know that she's not getting the grubbles. Like, yeah, I know that I, I <laughs> said things before that made you think. She that was I, like, I thought I was Alistair's favorite bitch. And clearly I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> clearly I'm not. And I don't know how to deal with that. I don't know how to go on. I don't know how to cope. So, I mean, well, we can't all be that lucky, right? Like, just ask Isabella. <laughs> <laughs> what it's like to be in the light and then not be in the light. Shit should be happening. Okay, so... Um, the hard cut is because they take us into the Saturn estate. They sure do. Saturn's, uh, uh, well, I guess since the new man of the house is uh, 
Thomas. Uh, he comes home. <laughs> he is the new man of the house. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's the new man of the house. And then so mom's like, oh, what are you doing home so early? Uh, there wasn't enough work to last through the day, so he's home early. And uh, she calls Mr. Him, Pickles didn't need him anymore. She calls him out on what she knows. She's like, well, see this buckle? I found it in the, found it in the pig pen. You know, and I know this buckle because you know it's a, it's it was a, a pass down, down buckle. Right. You know what I'm I let me not laugh because I just that I just have to be honest that I laughed pretty intensely that a belt buckle was passed down. She was like, I know, I know that the buckle because uh, this brass fucking buckle was my daddy's buckle, and now it was then it was your daddy's. And I'm like, are you gonna get this buckle to Thomas? Is Thomas gonna wear this fucking murder buckle? For the rest of his life, because I mean, it was passed could. down. Like, because you can't just melt it down, right? Like you got to do something with the buckle. Seemed like it had some I mean, some some relevance, but right. yeah. We can, please continue. And she's like, you know, you always used to hear from your father that uh he would uh he'd be able to get rid of a body by throwing it into the pigs because the pigs would eat everything. And he said the one thing that they wouldn't be able to eat is the metal. She said she feared for that fate for herself, too, which is really fucking sad, but totally makes sense for a woman who's a victim of domestic violence. Yeah, like she was. And I'm thinking he's the reason, of course, that she has the um, the the step that she does where she's oh, right. like dragging. <clears throat> we were foot. talking about that where when we were first recapping the whole Saudin domestic blues, you had mentioned that you thought she had a walking stick. And I was like, she had no stick. It was a hoe. She was hoeing the ground. And then we were like, oh, no, that's. That's a disability. And so I agree with you that I doubt the actress has an actual disability. I would assume that this was just one of those little details of many that Sally throws in to be like, hey, this is the this is the lived existence of this woman. This is what you look like when you spend 20 years with a man like Soudan. And luckily, because Thomas is 18, so that's 20 years where where's about. Yeah. Where Thomas is definitely her oldest, and she's been stuck with this dude. And considering how quickly he was lift things up and, and smash things about on people, then he definitely smashed something on her leg. And in a way, it's like, it's a way to keep a bitch tethered. Yeah. Because if you are now disabled in a certain kind of way, and you can't be as, I mean, think about what Cordingly said after she broke her leg and she can no longer jaunt about with Anne on her adventures and became more of like the house, the house servant versus a, a lady's maid. Then this is kind of the deal with, I was about to say Mary Soudan. I don't know if that's her name, but we'll say Mama Soudan that her, Mama, her yeah. work options are limited Yes, now considering everyone got to do hard labor, including the babies. But yeah. And uh, before we can get a deeper confirmation um, while it's registering on Thomas's face that, you know, Oh, that she knows. That she knows <laughs> yeah. what happened to her, what's her gonna husband. What's going to do? Is she mad? Because you like, asked me, you're like, is she mad? I was like, I can't. I, 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 we don't get a chance to find out. We don't get a, it's all right. We we get a, hey there, sorry for interrupting, coming up. It's uh Mr. Hardcastle. And he's like. Um, he's having a great day. Yes, he is. He's, he's, ha- really he's is. having the best day ever. He's like, so I just found out that my son is going to be. Well, first he's like, he's like, Thomas, do you want to make some extra shillings? Because I saw you walking by. Looks like you're done for the day. I got some jobs to do. So maybe you want to make some extra money. But also, oh my. God, I'm having the best day. You guys wouldn't believe the news I just got from Mr. Washington. Evidently, evidently, Miss Lister is going to be paying for my son. My son to no longer be illiterate. Isn't that crazy? Education. Because he's really like a schoolboy. It might as well be the lottery. I mean, well, yeah. And I'm like, Halifax, fix yourself because this isn't right. It's like, (laughs) this isn't right. The average voting man is not a a literate man. He just needs to know where to put the X. (laughs) But, um, so horrible. So his, his, it's like saying his child's going two towns over to be in the upper echelon. Like he's going to come back with, he's going to come back being able to say he's homeschooled. He can read the bills that come in. He won't be (laughs) homeschooled. 
well, day school. He's going to the day school. But oh, yeah. no, he's going to outshine his parents. And yes, I think this is actually a tremendous gift that Ann Lister is giving them because that's essentially, especially with these times, it's the only way to actually have some chance of raising your family out of this impoverished thing into the yes. next level of something closer to middle class and just be like, hey, I can read. <laughs> So I can get a job like we were talking about, what was it, episode two, when we saw that guy who looked like he was a servant when Rostam was going into the bank government place. But he just looked like he was a step above the house servants had shipped in. And so I would think like Mr. Washington's level, where you're still working for people who have more money and things than you, but you can read. You received some degree of schooling and you have a skill that is considered more valuable than just like your body being brutalized the way it is on a farm or in a, in a coal mine. And then are we back to the Priestleys and Ainsworth after we we get the quiet sort of acceptance? Yeah. Oh, right. The, because wait. we didn't mention that um, Hardcastle asked about the daddy. He yes. does. And, and the mom chimes in. And I feel like that is our that is our quiet acceptance of what happened yeah. from her, where she's like, I'm going to co-sign this story that you're telling. Oh, he just he ran off to go to America and shit. Like he always said he was going to do that years ago. And Thomas kind of breathes a sigh of relief like, thanks, mom. Mom, I thought you were going to beat me with your stick, but uh, you're not dad. So great. And then we cut to the Priestleys. Back okay. Yes. Yeah, so we're in the main house. And uh, I think it's um, Butter Ainsworth basically saying, oh, well, since I can't get the thing that I wanted, I'm going to be leaving and I'm not coming back. And yeah, like, no, he looks, he looks like, he looks, he, defeated. well, we know he comes back because, well, actually, this is after the clergy conference. Yes. And clearly he tanked it though. Like, that's what we have to assume that he went in there and tanked it. Like Ann yeah, Lister no. said, she was like, tank that shit, bitch, if you know it's good for you. And so he comes out and, and it's the husband first, it's Mr. Priestley. And Mrs. Priestley lies, is like, yo, but hubby, how did it go? And he's just like, bitch, I don't even, he doesn't answer her. He's just like, look at my face. It went bad. And then Ainsworth comes in and she's like, well, how did it go? Like, and he's like, oh, uh, well, yeah, um, I'm not going to be taking the position. <laughs> and it's fine. It's perfectly fine. And then, uh, you know, Mr. Priest is like, surely um, your dejection or being rejected by and Walker can't be the sole reason for you wanting, to, wanting the position. He's like, no, no, no. I mean, yeah, I get that. But, you know, obviously I, I can't be uh, close to someone right. who hates me like he's this. He's like. Aside from the fact that I totally failed, like failed hard. <laughs> I failed hard. I but crashed and burned real hard. If for some reason my privilege were to get me this position, being in such close proximity to someone who used to hold me in such high regard, who now sees me as like this utter re re revolting slob Beast. freak, <laughs> um, it will devastate me to have and to I'd deal be like, with that. TLDR, her scary girlfriend's scares me i mean, I mean well yeah i mean she's got a bigger she's got a bigger dick than me and i don't know how that happened but it's happened and i'm i'm, I'm frightened i'm frightened for my life to be perfectly honest with you so <laughs> I, the, i'm scared so the furthest i can get from halifax and shipton hall uh the better i'll be which is what, <laughs> he, which is what he should have said he should have said he was like i'm really really scared a van walker what do you mean everything like what do you mean it's that walker and he's like yeah yeah van walker Actually, it's of the other end. It's of the other end. I met the other day. She's really scary, you guys. I just love it. But there's not much time for me to love his shookness. Because right after this, we cut back to motherfucking Crow Nest and the hetero panic that is in full swing. And Ann Walker has returned to the drawing room because she couldn't really get comfortable in her bedroom after she peaced out because Mrs. Priestley was on her nonsense and notices immediately that Ms. Parkhill's demeanor has changed entirely. Yes. She is white like a sheet. She just does not look right. She looks like she's on the verge of having a breakdown. And that's when we figure out this bitch's name is Harriet. And we, I, I, I mostly forget that it's Harriet because I think I said something else in the beginning of the episode. But she's like, Harriet, 
Harriet, what the fuck is up with you? You damn near crying, girl. Like, is everything, is everything chill? And basically, Park Hill is like, very dramatically, no. And that she fears for Anne, that she's in real danger in this world and the next. See, and, and that was in the preview, like, and that you, bothered me. I didn't yes. like hearing that in the preview. I don't like, it's like hearing it either. When you're someone of the clergy and you tell someone there's going to be trouble for their for their world in this life and, and the, the next. next. Like, you know that for a fact, bro? How's that? I don't need that level and degree of manipulation of people who are walking amongst the earth. Like, if you feel like you're a psychopath, if not for, like, the blood of, like, your religion, I mean, love it. Love I'm just it. trying to figure out how you're not supposed to be judgmental, but you're out here judging whole people as, 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 a, as, a, as a person and not that a deity to say part. what will be happening to their eternal soul. Really, bitch? Like, God loves all his children, and since they don't worship our God, they're not considered his children, so God don't love them. So we don't have to love them either. I don't, I don't get the logic. I feel like that's right, but that could also be wrong. I don't know. Something like Which that. Which logic could also be wrong? Oh, something about, um, you know, God has love for all his children. We are all God's children, but they don't worship our God, so therefore they're not God's children, so we don't have to love them. Oh, right, 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 right! You know what? <laughs> I'll save it for our final thoughts before I go into this fucking this fucking rant. But so this is this a is the start. This is the right. start of the religious the, mania of of them putting these things into her into her mind that aren't just like oh people are gossiping. Now we're connecting it to your immortal soul. Now we're connecting it to because what did I end up putting there? Um, let's see. Answorth. Nope. 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 Uh, Hardcastles. Nope. Uh, Thomas. Nope. Miss Walker. I don't I don't like the 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 bad magic foreshadowing of like you're going to hell. Right. And um, I'm gonna put this fucking anxiety shit directly into your head that that every that your mortal soul is now in danger. I wrote the poisoning of Anne Walker by the proxy and avatar of Miss Priestley. Of Elder Ann Walker via Miss Priestley. So you have a proxy <laughs> on a proxy on a proxy. I mean, because Lord. she's there because Elder Ann Walker told her to be there. No, that's, you're right. That's why Park Hill's in, in right, on the scene. Right. But, but for a while, Park has, Hill was on the up and up because she well, was right. she was she was flattered and taken by Miss Lister too until, until Mrs. Priestley. Right, until Pop and Priestley decided to busy body priestly busy body priestly Mr. wick nevers priestly and then she's <laughs> like well you know let me tell you about paris oh there was these two men let me tell you all about these two men and then let me tell you why um i fear for the immortal soul of ann walker if she chooses to deny it's that, it's this, this, priest, this is elder walker's energy of like oh oh aunt i'm gonna travel to italy remember your brother died in naples it's right. like what the like, fuck exactly how did we go from a to z that's it's a huge there's a lot of letters in between we just jumped over all those letters and now we're at z so fucking fuck fuck you eliza that's literally what i said yes that's how i feel that's the forever energy i've i've I yelled a lot. Whoever's on Patreon and they get that uh that 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 listen of me watching it live for the first time. Yeah, there there's lots of yelling. There there is lots of yelling. And so after this we after this ominous sort of thing that okay, Eliza's gonna be talking that shit to Park Hill, we are back at Shibden and Elizabeth goes in to see Anne. Because she has a letter from Cronest. Because, well, you know, <laughs> she just got freaked all the way out by Miss Park Hill. And so she's got to send a note to her bae to be like, listen, so those travels. And this kind of goes back to what we were talking about in the last historical nightcap, that the whole Ainsworth drama 
you know, is a bit more extended in life than it was in the show. And I feel like the show really stressed us out because like in the, as we're reading the entries, it's like, oh, here's a day, here's another day, here's whatever. In the show, they're like five minutes, right. 10 minutes, I'm like, 20 minutes, this, an this hour, like the, the next morning, letter. that afternoon, that evening. And it's like, I can't. And Ann Lister can't take it either. Like I'm fucking distraught. She's like, look, I, I'm known to jaunt from time to time, but all this these is letters, much, this is too much jaunting, way too much jaunting. All these letters, are they three different people bringing letters over to this, to, yes. this, to Crow's Nest? That's exactly what's happening. And so, yeah, Elizabeth um, accordingly goes in and she's like, hey, bitch, you got a letter from Crow Nest. And Anne's like, oh, cool. And at that moment, she's like, it's probably just my lady love saying some cute shit like, oh, bring this over when you come back. But she doesn't know. Right. She doesn't know what lays within that letter. Right. And, and uh, like, wait, wait, wait. Remember, you said earlier that you need to talk to me. You said not now. So is it now? Is now the now from where we could talk? And she's like, oh, uh, yes. So um, keep an eye on you, Jeannie. And um, also... If there's any, if anybody's getting knocked up in this bitch, could you, um, <laughs> yes. could you, could you think to tell me? She didn't say all that, but she said all that. <laughs> like, she didn't say all that, but she said all that. She's like, bitch, look, next time, um, who's your first thought? I am. Me. And I love Cordelia's response because she, she's one of my, she's probably my favorite servant because she, she has that, like, cynical smoke that a servant should have because she's been in Anne's service for a fucking while. Because immediately she's like, oh, Anne, you're my first thought. Oh, it's my first thought. And Anne's like, whatever, bitch. She's like, first thought, last thought. Listen, when I wake up, I'm like, Ann Lister. When I have lunch, I'm like, Ann Lister, what would Ann do? And before I go to bed, I'm like, Ann Lister, what would she do? And Ann is like, bitch, shut the fuck up. Like, I know I'm not your first thought because I talked to John. And apparently you out here giving everybody advice. You out here telling everybody how to live their life. And that's my job. The Shibden is mine. It is my ancestral home. And you cannot be making decisions that I should be making. So next time a hoe gets knocked up, you know what you're doing, right? Because I don't want to have to find out about stuff again from John because, you know, John can't keep his mouth shut. So if you want things to not get out, don't fucking tell it to John. So Elizabeth is like, oh, okay. <laughs> she leaves like, oops, oops. I guess Anne knows about the stuff. Uh, and then uh, a paper knife finds its way through the seal oh, of this dear. note. And we hear and read and notice that, yeah, it's like um, our trips will put them on an oh, indefinite hold. Oh, thank God. Our baby gay rights. My love, I must beg you not to send for the ring you spoke of just yet. Too late! I'm sorry. I must not and cannot take it until I have fewer torments of conscience. I cannot say that I feel any stronger this evening. And so, weak as I am, I have concluded that it would be madness in me to leave the kingdom and go traveling with you at any point in the near future. Yours faithfully and affectionately, Anne Walker. At least she ain't signed an AWOL because I would have She been, would never. I know. She would I, never. I, right. Just because a bitch is indecisive doesn't mean she ever <laughs> wants to be off the grubble. She can't help herself. Um, and so a reply note was made post haste. First of all, you <laughs> and barely finished the last sentence where she was like, she pull said, out this paper. Give me, give me, where's my fucking quill? Give me, give me the ink. Give me the ink. James. Or not James. John. John. Get in here, bitch. I can eat you send a letter. He's like, oh, I was about to eat mess. No, bitch, you're about to, you're about to jog and I, for and me. Exactly. And, for then, the and then two minutes after you, I'm also leaving because I just got to get dressed. So I thought, <laughs> give me this letter to send. I'm getting dressed and I'm going to tell us. And don't let me get to oh, this Actually, state. let's do her reply because technically she does not go over to the morning time because that's what she says in her note. I'll be okay. with you first thing this morning. She's probably trying to but get like her that, aunt. But, but that was first. a mistake. You needed to give her the overnight grubbles because right. you know how this bitch you is. You should have stayed the you night. You should have stayed the night. Because when she asked you to stay the night, it's because she really <laughs> needs you there and did not go over. You know what it was? She was feeling confident. She was like, bitch, I have had really the best couple of days. Like, I'm good. 
I spoke to this Ainsworth motherfucker. Like, we good, we good. She had no idea that Mrs. Priestley was over there doing her busybody nonsense. Because if she did, she'd have been over there that night. But she didn't fucking know. So she's like, it's okay, look, let me, let me write this reply to you. And her reply is, my love, you must remember that conscience is not always strictly just. She may be too lenient or too severe. She may be lulled to sleep or tossed in feverish restlessness. We cannot judge ourselves, and I cannot believe you deserve your, quote, torments of conscience. Tomorrow, we will look over any plan most likely to reestablish your health. I will be with you first thing in the morning, affectionately and very faithfully yours. That's it. <laughs> and See, let's right, right, right. Well, now, what I was hoping that Anne would have realized, and Lister, is that, um, and Walker was telling the truth when she was like, um, when you're not with me, this is hard. Me trying to do these making decision things, this is all hard. I told you that when I'm with you, I feel like we can take on the world together. And I'm flailing. I'm writing a note telling you that I am flailing. And you're over here like, well, I'll see you in the morning. It was uh! Mrs. Priestley. It was Mrs. <laughs> right. It's, you know what? Actually, I'll say that's a credit to Ann Walker in a sense that Ann Lister was obviously feeling so comfortable and so assured and like, this is what's happening. This is my future wife. Like, we're doing this. Like, she gets the sacrament. She agreed to take it. She has no problems about doing an oath on the Bible. She doesn't think it's in some conflict of her morality like other women I've been with. Like, she just wants to do it. She wants to do it. Like, this is it. This is what I've been waiting for my whole life. Yay! Doves flying off into the air, sprinklies, like it's all kind of good stuff. So there's no real reason for her to be in panic mode. She's just like, oh, this is Anne. Because at this point, Anne been like this, where every other day she's like, babe, I don't know. I mean, I had an orange and I was thinking to myself, like, is this really what we should be doing? I don't think she was to the point of like, okay, this is serious. There's someone in there that's literally telling her she will burn in the internal fires of damnation, which is evidently what Mrs. Priestley told to Mrs. Sparko, who like telephone made it even more dramatic and was like, so basically you're going to die. And not only that, demons are going to rise from the floor of Crow Nest and pull you to hell if you grubble again. Because that's the vibe that we get from Ann yeah, Walker when no, they come back. Yeah. That they have literally all night, she couldn't sleep. And all night, Miss Parker was like, and this other thing, and this other thing. She was, matter of fact, she was like, let me read from the book of Revelations. Fire and brimstone, bitch. You're gonna yeah. die, you're gonna die. And so by the time Ann gets over there, it's been hours of not only her hearing fucked up shit from Mrs. Parker, her mind manifesting with her ridiculous imagination of what was going on. And so Ann was completely unprepared for when she jaunted to Crow Nest and what she found. When she jaunted there, which, um... Yikes. Yikes! And didn't she jaunt? I mean, you know what? She's a let's do the music the because this is this is our last jaunt. Yeah. Really? Then, That's not an angry right, jaunt for the episode. Right. So let's, let's, she, let's, let's... <laughs> we'll do it. Uh, we'll do it. Um, she, you know, she's like, I'm gonna go and save my girlfriend slash fiance. She's like, bitch, let's go to Crow Nest. Like, my girl's concerned, but she don't need to be concerned because I'm on the way. <laughs> She's not like, gonna you solve everything. Let's take a shortcut. Let's climb this wall. <laughs> she literally was like, climb this wall, over this rock, cross this brook. I need to go. I need to jaunt. I need to get there ASAP and do my life. And uh, we get there and good Lord. <sighs> she sits down to breakfast after checking her watch at the door. And we are. she's at breakfast with Anne and Miss Park Hill. And the vibe is whack. The vibe it's is so awkward. Weird. The vibe is so weird. I'm sure James was peeking in the back and was like, bitch, this is, let me go. I don't even want to be near this room. This is so fucking tense. And Miss Parkhill looks visibly bothered. And so, and Lister eventually is like, yo, are you okay? Are you good? Cause you look like something's the matter. And she kind of looks nervously to Ann Walker and is like, oh, I don't have much of an appetite this morning. And then Ann replies like, oh dear, well you do look a bit peaky. So uh, that explains why your face. <laughs> 
that explains why your face looks like that. Perhaps a walk, maybe a walk. How about that? But um, do wrap up. You know, it's a little chilly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. She's so deliciously shady while being polite. It's fantastic. What happens after that? Oh, she she looks over to Ann Walker, who this whole time, like she's got nothing to offer. And it's like you can tell she's very clearly stuck between whatever allegiance she feels or feels like it's a necessity to feel to Miss Park Hill and whatever they were talking about all night because you know she was talking that bitch ear off and then her allegiance to Anne. So instead, she just doesn't do anything. She just looks down. She's like, not going to deal with this confrontation because I can't. Just, mm, just, this is, if there was a knob for Ann Walker, someone turned it off. They were like, dial all the way down. She's not going to be involved in this conversation. She's not going to hint to anyone, not to Park Hill, not to Anne, that she's on the side. She's just like, I'm stuck, almost paralyzed in indecision in a certain sense, because there are several times that both Miss Park Hill and Ann Lister look to Ann Walker to be like, yo, you taking a side here? And she's like, right. no, I'm looking at the carpet. I'm looking at the carpet. That's 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 all I can do. Right it now. made me think of uh, Jay-Z and Beyonce in the elevator with Solange. That's what it made me think of. But I oh, have to yeah. say, yeah, because it's like, Beyonce, you're not going to say nothing? Well, you know, I'm just going to stay here by my bodyguard and just chill. Oh, wait, right you're talking about the elevator, right? Yep. I'm just going to chill here by my bodyguard and make sure Sometimes that... shit goes down when a billion dollars on the elevator. I just do. Look, just the other day, my sister was expressing some things that brought some concerning to me. Because I'm like, girl, don't tell me nothing about the, the head agenda because you know how I am. But I, I know that in that equation, I'm the Solange. Okay. Like someone does something, some, something fucked up uh, to a woman who's related to me or someone I know, I'm going to be on that energy of like, I'm fucking you up while my sister or someone else just be in the corner like, oh, I'm, I mean, it, I'm not opposed to it. I'm not involved, but I'm also not opposed to the violence that I see. In fact, I'm enjoying it a little bit. I'm recording right now on my cell phone. Um, but yeah, so she, it's horrible. And so Miss Parkhill eventually is like, ugh, because Anne is so good at being shady and polite at the same time that she stands up to bounce. And Anne stands up too, like, I'm still a chivalrous bitch. I'm still, I'm still chivalrous as fuck. Yes, Miss Parkhill, you leaving? Let me, let me, let me escort you out. <laughs> and it's great. It's fantastic. And Miss Parkhill's just like, oh, I'll be in the other room if, if, you want my company and particular and Walker, you in particular, if you want my company, I'll be in the other room. Shady. And uh, Ann Lister can tell that this is just some bullshit, but she still keeps her smile and nods. And Park Hill gives one last judgy look before she leaves. And as the door closes, I think Ann Lister like ponders for a second, but then she asks like the baby gay, like, yo, what the fuck happened? Like yesterday I was here. Yesterday we were all good. Yesterday she was into me. She thought I was, I was charming and, and, and stuff. You said I would not put her nose out of jaunt. And now her nose is seriously in jaunt, right. babe. What what happened? And what's the first thing out of Anne's mouth? Do you remember? Because I do. I, I don't think you do because you might have screamed it. I might have been screaming. Hang on. I'm going to tell you. The first thing out of Anne's mouth is, I think I should take Mr. Ainsworth. And why? Oh, yeah. That's the first thing that comes out of her mouth. Okay? Is that Judgy Park Hill leaves and Anne is like, yo, babe, what happened? And she's like, so I think I should take Mr. Mr. Ainsworth. And that is weird. <laughs> How do you lead with that? God, this baby gay. And it's just like, bitch, what? Um, what? How did we get there? And so the next question for Anne is like, and Lister is like, well, has he been here? Because surely something has happened to change your opinion. And she's like, no. But then Anne Walker's like, I don't think we should do this anymore. And another, another butcher knife to my heart, a giant sized butcher knife to my heart and Anne Lister's heart. And Anne is like, okay, all right. And Anne Lister's face at this point, I think it starts to show some real devastation where she's like, mm, this is feeling Veersy. This is feeling like how I never wanted to go to this place again. Why is this happening? Then Ann Walker follows up with another question. She's like, so you didn't get that ring already, did you? You know, that ring, you didn't get it, did you? 
And of course, we, the audience, know like, ah, bitch, she sent out for it. She sent out for it yesterday when she was chanting about and good mood and a good mood. She she did it yesterday. But what the fuck? And also, do you not know who Ann Lister is? She's she's always in a rush, bitch. You know she ordered it. Right. The minute she told you she was going to get it, you should have known that it was a done deal. And it's just like, well, do you know what happened to that book that Mr. Answer gave me in that that ring? Do 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 you staff it? Where where is it? She's like, it's somewhere safe. That's what Ann Lister tells her. She's like, no, she doesn't say that yet. I think the gift didn't happen yet. No, I don't think the gift isn't happening yet because we are, we are, aren't we, aren't we in the room? Yeah, we're, we're back in the bedroom when that comes up. So, okay. I know I wrote it down, but we're definitely back in her room when she brings up. So whatever. No, that comes up after Anne gives her her book and Anne is waiting there fucking blissed out, waiting for like a compliment about her book. And the first thing out of Anne Walker's mouth is like, Hey, so those things you took from me. And I was like, bitch. But we'll get there eventually. So no, that's not where it is. Um, yeah, so Anne is, you know, Anne Lister is just like, okay, um, clearly something has happened. I'm not going to answer your question about the ring because this silence should let you know that I did. I did already send out for it. Because remember, you promised to take the sacrament the right. night before. And that was pretty intense. Remember, I gave you like four kisses to, to seal the deal. I don't know why we're going back here. So of course, Anne Lister is like what's been said, as we said before, because obviously something has happened. And that's when Anne Walker lets it drop that two men three months ago were hung in front of a crowd of thousands of people at a prison in York. And she's like, aha, 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 And Anne Walker adds that it happened also that while the crowd was jeering for them to die and for what we do with each other. And Anna's like, what? Who told you that? That's not accurate. And she's like, Miss Parkill. Miss Parkill told me that, obviously. <laughs> she's the one with the attitude. And Lister's like, well, how does Miss Parkill know what we do with each other? And our baby gay's like, well, she doesn't, but people are starting to make assumptions. I'm, I mean, who cares about people's assumptions? And you didn't care like an episode ago, but and Ann Lister's like, um, unless you told her, like, you know how they are. It's it's urban legends. They don't know what lesbians do. They technically think we could put turtles on our thighs and that's how lesbians work. Like, put a turtle on your thigh, let the turtle bite your thigh. <laughs> that's lesbianism. Yeah, she was fighting and vying for it. Like, let's just put on an agreeable face. Let's just be good uh, sisters that are landed, landed lady sister friends and that's part of Ann Lister's thing because the whole idea of romance between women and friendships and stuff that this idea of lesbianism was truly a foreign concept so realistically like we said before about Catherine what do they do do women know what happened it's literally urban legend stuff so she's like look as long as we keep the propriety bitch as long as we look like well she doesn't say that yet she's basically like where's this coming from Mrs. Priestley came over here and she's like aha so it's Mrs. Priestley that's been talking that shit I don't remember all the names she said, but basically she's like, Mrs. Priestley has told the whole of, the whole of Britain what we're doing. She's she's told everyone that she can lay her eyes on and who has ears, she's told them. And to be fair, that's not an exaggeration about Mrs. Priestley because everyone she can talk to about grubbling, she's doing it. And she's trying to expose yeah. these bitches. And, you know, Anne's freaking out. Anne Walker's like, look, she's telling everybody, everyone on the fucking continent, and soon everyone's going to be talking about us in every fucking town. They're going to be talking lewdly and saying horrible things about us and we're going to end up dead. And I'm fucking freaked out. And Lister goes into an explanation of why it should be fine. Not just appearances of like, hey, if we act like gals being pals and people only see us acting like gals being pals, what else will they have to say? She's like, haven't I explained this to you before? Haven't I tried to talk to you about how lesbians get on in public in the 19th century? And she says that line, have some courage, Anne. I'm just like, oh. I like the Jedi mind trick of what men do with each other is different from what women do together because what men do, that's against the law. It's There's no law against women. But that's facts. I, I mean, mean, it is facts. That's but... facts. Sucks for dudes, but yeah. <laughs> at the time, it was not so shitty for women. It's one of those things where the patriarchy is working in the in the benefit of lesbians because when you are 
a second class citizen as women were. The things you do sexually with other women are not seen as a threat, where the things men do sexually with other men are totally a threat. She does try to inform that shit, where she's like, hey, it's not against the law. Sodomy, that's against the law. You can actually be hung for it. And what we do is not against the law, but hold up, hold up a second. Because if it was, I would put my head in the noose. And that's what's important. She's like, I would put my neck in the noose if it was illegal. It's not illegal. You don't have to worry. But if it was illegal, you need to know that I am going to the gallows. And that's what I said earlier, is that if they were like, Candace, hop on this wrinkly dick, I'd be like, send me to the gallows. Right. All right. I go and die with my other sapphic sisters said, who have I been lost was born this throughout way. history. And then you also have experience expressed your distress in thinking about having to repair she says the line that's on our bracelet that she well it's a it's sort of a bit of a combination of of lines from her journal and sentiments that she's repeated over the course of her life from when she was a teenager to in her 20s to her 30s where she's like look i love and only love the fair sex yes i've only always been i've always been attracted to the fair fair sex she said this is how essentially this is how she was made and that if she were to lie with a man that would be a against her nature that's that would be immoral and i'm like this is deep it is deep what men do is completely different to what we do no it isn't yes girl it is. <laughs> i'm like air walker you don't know about sex no it isn't it's illegal it's a criminal a little bit between a little women bit. if it were to become one here we go well then take me to the gallows in the noose because i love and only love the fairer sex. Mm. My heart revolts from any other love than theirs. These feelings have wavered or deviated since childhood. I was born like this. Ugh, her face and while she's my giving this nature dictates. If I was to lie with a man, surely that would be unnatural. Which is why when Mariana brings it up, God. what are you doing, Mariana? I'm sorry. The maid does. Mm. Every one of us in all of our richness and variety. Mm. You are the same. You she is the so. same. But Anne's like, shh, shh, shh. Towards forming any sort She's of about to shush this bitch. And we'll pause it. <laughs> She's like, shh, 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 shh. Stop. Look, I know I said I'm gay, but like, don't say it out loud. What if Miss Miss Parkhill hears? Like, you're trying to make it true? Like, what are you doing? It's like, but you made it true with your thirst, girl. The, the slaves of thirst. No one can make it more true than you on the grubbles. But um, yeah, so that was this I'm gay and you're gay too speech that Ann Lister gives her. There's some beautifully put words, some phrases all of which are essentially sourced from Ann Lister's diaries and just I mean that wraps it up right there she's like look I'm gay I, I love women I've loved women the fair sex since as long as I can form memories and this is not going to change and this is naturally who I am it is so natural it is me this is how God made me that to connect with a man to have anything with a man that is the unnatural thing that is the horrible thing right and yes yes indeed which is why I screamed during the recording that the fact that Mariana would ever bring it up, including after all those years. Ugh, you know what? I'm not I'm not gonna go to that side route and just stay on my ands at this point, but that's just a little side thing. And so the scene continues after Ann Walker shh, don't talk about being gay so loud. And Ann Lister just kind of pleads and she's like, Don't let them poison you against me, against us. Oh. And she has like this single fucking tear on her cheek, oh. and I was fucking done. And she adds that they can be happy. You know we can. We can have a rich life together. And um, unfortunately for me, 
And for the rest of the viewing audience, Ann Walker has the most ridiculous response. And I don't know if there's another episode where Ann Walker has more ridiculous responses than in this episode. Two things that are said to her that definitely should get another response than the one she gives. But she's like, no, no, no. Let me walk her it up real quick. Here's some ridiculousness because the next line she says, which is after Ann just gives this whole very like, I'm super gay. I'm super gay. I'm really, really gay. Really, really gay. And aren't you too? And Walker's like, but um, what if I were to still marry him for appearances sake? Bitch, what? So. What was the speech I just gave you? So what about the sacraments? Like, how are you going to take holy sacraments with your husband, but agree to take holy sacraments with me? Like, it, it don't We don't even don't get work. to that bullshit. And she could tell she means that shit. She was earnestly like, well, what if I take him for appearances? And for Anne, it's like, no, literally, this is, this is the war of my life. It's Mariana, it's everyone else. It's everyone else. That's what I mean. It's every woman she's tried to settle down with, with the exception of Eliza, because she was she was trying to settle down and Anne was like, I'm gonna and I'm gonna display some fuck girl uh activities here. (laughs) And Mrs. Barlow was like, I could maybe. And she was like, still a fuck girl in this moment. (laughs) And Isabella was like, I could maybe. And she was like, Look, um, we're too much alike. And that one time I tried to grumble you, you were dry as a stick. Hey, shout out to the Patreon listeners ouch. who are going to hear that ramble. Yeah, that was ouch. Like, Ann Lister wrote that, dry as a stick. But anyway, I'm getting, I'm getting off track. So this is what it is. This is what we're experiencing is that in that moment where Ann's like, no, this will not do for me. It's because it will not do. She tried to make it do for 10 goddamn years before it really started to get sticky with Mariana and Charles. It simply will not do to share a bitch. A bitch that's supposed to be my bitch with a dude. It's just not going to work. It's not going to happen. I'd rather die first. you rather die before people know what we do? Well, I'd rather die before, well, I'm forced to do hetero, hetero things, hetero propaganda. And honestly, Ann Walker doesn't want this because if Ann Lister agreed to that, Ann Walker, you do know you'd be number two, right? You'd be under Mariana. Because that's one of the things that separates Anne from Mariana is that she displays acts of courage and acceptance and non-judgmental behaviors where Mariana does. But if you were to suggest that you and Anne remain friends and just, oh, let's let's keep this for appearances purposes, now you're playing second fiddle to Mariana right. because she already did that and she got a longer history with Mariana. That's not what you want to do. I know technically you don't really know about Mariana, but girl, use the... Use the sapphic thirst to inform yourself. This is dangerous territory here. Remember what we said in the journals where Anne was like, look, bitch, I'm going to be like a meteor (laughs) in your life, like a fucking flash out like a dream. So you better be careful what you do here. And uh, it was beautifully written, but also apt to what's happening here. And so Anne continues and Lister that, you know, why should she compromise herself to lie with another man's wife? And Anne Walker looks a bit devastated at that. And Anne Lister continues like, what does that make me? Second fiddle yet again? No. A liar and a cheat and a fornicator? No, that's not what I want. And then she adds that this is why our present connection without a more solemn tie for her is wrong. And then we get that line where she's like, I want you to be my wife. And it's like she can't even finish it right. initially. She's like She chokes on the word. And ultimately, what a daring thing to say out loud, especially yes. in those times. Like wife like that's and Harry's in the next room I want you to be my wife and Harry's like oh I mean it's damnation I just that that really broke me in the moment the first time I saw it because she can barely say it but then she it's like she it's like something that she shouldn't say something that's risky to say but it's like she ponders it for a second and she's like no this is what I want and then she says it again she finishes the sentence with confidence on her knee it's like she's proposing again She's like, I want you to be my wife, please. And it's just so raw and ultimately subversive and vulnerable for Ann Lister when we really don't see her usually in these in these kind of positions. And um, she's like, I want you to be my wife and everything that that means, all the stuff. And I'm dying inside. Um, Ann Lister's a little bit dying a little bit inside. 
like, because I've said this in no uncertain terms, and we agreed that we wanted, we were taking sacraments like a wedding. We were on the same page. And now all of a sudden you're trying to make We're not on the same page. Right. Thanks, like, Mr. Priestley. How did, and she's like, I know we can never have children. And that's a great sadness. And I'm like, girls, steal a feral. You know how many people don't care about these feral British children. They need love. They need two moms. Go get a gaby. It's fine. The the Rolstons, there's like seven feral kids is just hanging out <laughs> in front of the bank. Or oh my God. Of, he just throw some more pence yes. at some feral kids in this episode. <laughs> they could just take feral kids. No, really. There's plenty of kids to steal. But that she says, you know, it's a great sadness. But everything else, you know, to love, to cherish, to have and to hold according to God's holy ordinance. They can have all that. And she's like cradling her face. And in that moment, Anne finally has a piece of something because she also reaches out and cradles Anne Lister's face. And she's basically like, I adore you. I really do like you are everything and when I'm with you everything makes sense everything is good everything is right and I feel so strong but when I'm not with you and I'm alone these motherfucking thoughts and she kind of like it's like my head like I can't like all these thoughts are in here these horrible fucking thoughts and I can't face the world like you can I just can't do it I can't do it in and your heart kind of breaks for her because she's like, not just the world, my own fucking family. Like, how am I supposed to brace myself against the world when I can't even deal with my own family I can't even stand up to my own family still I'm sorry I'm horrible and and Lister basically stresses like you never have to be alone though just come to ship right. in with me and right and, and it's fine and on the one hand I'm like that's great because why would she not want to be with her lady love and feel safe and whatever but we also need to get to a point where Ann Walker can stand up on her own two feet that she can be not in the presence of Ann Lister and not completely fall apart and fall prey to what other people are saying about her and life and whatever. But Ann Lister at this point, she's able, once she makes this plea and Ann Walker's finally touching her face, but we have this moment of connection where she's like, hey, you don't have to worry. When you're living with me in Shipton, it'll be great. We'll be together always. And with God's blessing, he will give us strength and courage yeah. to navigate this heterosexual world of nonsense. There's some eye gazing going on and it seems promising, but then Ann suggests that they go be agreeable. And agreeableize, I believe, is the word she uses with Mrs. Parkhill. And immediately, Ann Walker's like, no! Do you remember last time you suggested that with Mrs. Reesley? How did that go? It didn't go well. And Ann is just like, look, we can't have her sitting in there. Oh, I remember that. And she was like, well, that went well. And she's like, well, did it? Right. (laughs) And she's like, so why do we have to do this again? I mean, we could just leave her in there. She's like, no, we can't just leave her in there because she'll she'll be thinking her thoughts. And then she'll come up with all these scenarios about what lesbians do. And they'll all be wrong. So we got to go over there and go be kind and polite and let her see us for who we are, which is motherfucking kind and good people. Just out here being friends. Okay, let's do that. Essentially, Ann Lister eventually talks her down, reiterates their gayness, and says they need to go see Park Hill so she doesn't think her shitty thoughts alone. And I'm pretty sure after this scene is when we get our deleted scene. Oh, this would be a nice place to put it. What do you mean? This is where it goes. No, no. I mean, I'm happy that you know. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm like, yeah, if they're together for sure, it's more than likely in the bedroom, but I didn't know exactly where. I was like, dear God, I hope we didn't miss it. So... So with this deleted scene, we actually get more of a clue into the episode title. Because without it, it's a little hard to decipher, unless you're just like a grammar freak. But of course, the episode title for for this episode is Let's Get Another Look or Have Another Look at Your Past Perfect, which is, of course, a reference to grammar. And in this deleted scene, it opens up with Ann Lister asking Ann Walker if Miss Parkhill is still having trouble with her French grammar. Hence the line she says later on directed at Miss Parkhill in particular. Here we go. Is she still struggling with her French grammar? (laughs) Yes. Well, then I shall compliment her on her accent. That usually goes a long way. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh. 
is a worried kiss. Like it's sensual. Like it's like remember, right? Remember when he remember. That's what I feel like. She's like remember like why this like us we work like we're good. Mm, I've got to go into Halifax, but um, I'm going to get something. For and you. so she also says she's got to go into Halifax to get something for her. Hence the book we see later mm. that Anne Walker does not have the right response. And then look at Ann Lister's face here. Like, she's concerned. You know, she's she's putting on a good, brave face for Ann Walker. Yeah. Because that's what she does. But for herself, she's like, bitch, I'm getting concerned about what's happening here. It's it's trending towards the negative, and I don't like it. What's kind of cute about that is when Ann Lister asks if Miss Parkhill is still having trouble with her grammar, and then Ann Walker's like, oh, yeah. And she's like, oh, okay, I'll compliment her accent. She talks about how it helps. I feel like it's a bit of a callback to what we discussed from when she was younger, and she was first in Paris and trying to learn to speak French, and she was ridiculously frustrated with the process and her accent in particular, that she knows if you compliment someone who's trying to learn French, French on their accent that's that's a good way to go because it's she motivation. felt like that. and at the end of that clip we have with the romance we get a kiss we get a nose boop <laughs> just like boop on your nose unfortunately we end on that sad face but we do get some sweet sensual stuff in between there after this deleted scene we are back to the priestlies and there was only one deleted scene you found right from episode five only one okay so we are back to the priestlies oh is this uh uh, Miss Busybody sing off. Yeah, the rapist. Reverend, exit, Reverend exit Ainsworth the says adieu. Right, exit stage left, never to return again with any luck. Oh, it's basically it's just the fare thee well. Ultimately, and you can't leave out the fact that yeah, it's the fare thee well. But Eliza is like really hoping to see you back here, really <laughs> fast, really soon, right away. Like maybe tomorrow, next week, because I really you're the only dude that I have on the thing right now that could inveigle themselves in between N and N. So I just really hope you make it back real soon. And I'm just like Eliza, your desperation is exhausting. I wish you would stop. So the scene just really ends on her vastly disappointed face as he rides off because she knows at that moment Grubbles are probably going down. And she's like, yeah. God damn it! I need to I need to disrupt these Grubbles. After this, we get N at the bookstore where she's picking up a gift as she indicated she was going to do go to Halifax to do in the deleted scene but before she picks up a gift she uh she decides to I don't know speak to two lovely ladies who are holding let's break it down let's break it down it's real gay um she walks into this store and immediately there's a dude there who's like oh shit what and the two girls because they looked young maybe like you know somewhere 19 and 23 the two girls look up immediately and they're like who's that in the top hat oh that's interesting <laughs> like a lot of girls do they're like oh that's interesting i don't it's interesting what's happening over there and the guy's like oh fuck we got a customer um boss man look look there's someone in here and he's like oh miss lista excellent it's good to see you and then i think before she talks with him about what she's looking for she goes over to the girls and she's like oh <laughs> you guys are reading are you is that is that life of charlemagne james's life of charlemagne i read that twice actually <laughs> very good and you know she they were already looking at her like wow you're really yep. interesting and nothing happens to me in my life here in halifax i'm pretty fucking bored because well women are often bored in these times and here you are the most interesting woman i've ever seen and you've spoken to me and you've read this twice and then she gives her like little wing trademark eyebrow raise like hey girls and they're already like oh my petticoats are they <laughs> what's this <laughs> what's this anomaly put, i said this book down we gotta go i gotta i got a, a situation i need to go take care of this thing <laughs> right and then she walks off leave them wanting more and lister as always and the dude in the shop is like so miss lister what can i do for you and she requests a, a, a book that we see later which is a evidently a common book of prayer i think she says golf edged and bound in red moroccan leather Mm -hmm. With an attractively marbled flyleaf. And I was like, is this similar in color to what she's replacing from Ainsworth? Because wasn't his red, that little thing? 
He gave Ann Walker. It I think her. it was red. And so I'm like, I wonder if this is mildly like to replace what's happening here because we thought that was a Bible. It could have been a book of prayers also because I'm not really quite sure. Yeah. But as Ann Walker in the beginning of the episode was like, get this the fuck out of my face. Maybe she used it. Maybe she read in it. Maybe she used the prayers. I don't know. But I like this idea that Ann Lister was thinking to replace this thing that day because, well, that's good girl from behavior. So I uh, remember, <laughs> it guess. was right. It was the little prayer book and then it was ring. So what did she oh, order? You know, we what have to know. What did she order? Both. She ordered both. But you know what we have to note? That when she's like, do you got this book with the red Moroccan like leather binding and all this shit? And he's like, yeah, but it's eight shillings. Like it's expensive for a book. And she's like, bitch, I don't get, bitch, get me the book. Right. It's for my girlfriend. It's for my fiance. That I was looking Does for Does it look a like I give a fuck book. about prices? Did I ask you how, how much it costs? I said, do you have it? Because I'm leaving here with it. I period. said Moroccan leather. Moroccan leather, bitch. <laughs> Moroccan leather, bitch. But yes, so <laughs> she's like, hey, ho. So um, the, the girls are walking uh, out of the bookstore right, as the they're guys, walking out. Right. And Anne is like, oh, they're leaving. Mm-hmm. And she takes a gander <laughs> at, uh, at the two pretty ladies who, who are leaving mm-hmm. from behind. And and she smiles. And I'm like, yeah, because that's because she's still gay. Like, that's a perk. Like, looking at pretty ladies that exist in the streets. You look at them and you smile to yourself like, well, here I am being a gay. <laughs> oh, Sappho, work through me. No. <laughs> Just appreciating God's creation. There's nothing wrong with that. So that happens. And um, yeah, because Anne's like, hey ho, still a gay. <laughs> I was wondering, but yep, there I am. And so after this, we cut to the Rawsons talking about Cole. And I'm so happy that we barely see them this episode. We saw right. them a they lot. Were in Ross- episodes. It was very heavy it was last very episode. Light, very light Rawson episode. Thank God. Very heavy Eliza episode, and we suffered. We suffered. We did. But we did not have to suffer with the Rawsons who were talking about Coles and who really gives a fuck about what they're saying. But um, how do we how do we how do we sum it up? Um, there's more pens thrown to some feral children outside for sure. Um, yeah, and then they're talking about uh, the rate for the Coles that they still don't want to agree to. All right, to. Christopher wants the news, and Jeremiah's freaking out. He's like, "Bitch, um, I heard the news on the block is is she trying to sink a pit, bitch? Which right. means she's gonna be in a lower bed in no time." Right. We had our seven days. We we didn't we didn't do anything. So it's been a week, and I don't know if you know, but she asked for a response, and right. it's, like, she hasn't gotten a response, and I'm concerned that we're gonna get found out. So and, we should just pay the bitch. And Chris is like, "Well, I mean, but realistically, how much would it cost for the?" you know sink this pit it's like 2000 oh well i don't think she's got that and it's like uh but she's in your cousin's um, pocket and walker um right remember what mama said mama was right right she he said he gave well why is she and ann walker's anything and then uh they actually there's a weird cut where they walk past the bookstore and i don't know if they hold their tongue intentionally oh right i totally forgot about that they walk past the bookstore these weird intersecting things of like, hey, we're both in Halifax jaunting about, but we're not speaking to each other. Yes. Even though we know there's unfinished business, unfinished cold business. Yeah. Yeah. Christopher is in disbelief initially that she can sink a new pit, that she has the money. And Jeremy was like, yo, you know, I've been paying attention. This is why I'm stressed out. She has the money. She has a girl. She knows we're stealing. She obviously has everything. Let's just do the right thing and not get screwed over please because we can't even stop production and Christopher's like hell no and then he says fucking and I'm like is that the first time we've heard fucking in the show I feel like it is we don't really hear vulgar language in the show we don't I cannot really. recall anyone else using fucking and I'm like of course the first person to use that kind of language in this show would be a Rawson and not just any Rawson Christopher fucking Rawson and then maybe Soudan there may have been some dirty language. I think he was too drunk and illiterate to even put together a sentence with fuck. I feel like I'm, what does he I'll say to fucking Ed? kill you. A lady in a frock. Oh, wait, do you think he says he'll fucking he kill you to his wife? All right. Well, or to the boy, at least. 
Untie me, I'll fucking kill you. I'll do all these things. Oh, he might have. All right, so Soudan and Rawson. I just right. didn't remember, but I, Soudan is so insignificant. That makes sense. I wouldn't remember any of his lines, truly. All right, so that happens, and Jeremiah tries his best to be like, look, can we just end this and just be like decent and just like hide our fuck shit and just give her the money she wants? Christopher's like, no, we're not doing that. If she wants to play with the big dogs, she's going to play with the big dogs, feel what it's like to get bitten. And I'm like, I don't like those threats. I didn't like the threat I don't either. like the threat at all. It's one thing if you try to throw hands yourself at a bitch, but it's another thing to create hand. to create shit via proxy, like a fucking bitch. And I'm wondering if he had somebody go to Shipton first and was like, nah, they shooting over there. We can't go over there. <laughs> they shoot an analyst's name over there. We can't do that. I wish. So after this horrible foreshadowing of of the Rawsons fucking with Anne, we're back to Cronest in and in, in Walker's room. And Anne is giving her this book of prayers that she got for her just now in Halifax. And she looks so happy to be giving her this book of prayers. She's propped up, cheek to hand. And she looks so excited, big smile. And she's made an inscription inside the book, which Anne Walker reads aloud. And it says, There bends no root so low, but it may rise again. Who that has that hope for which human power nor gives nor takes can ever feel forsaken or forlorn. God bless you, my dearest Anne, ever affectionately and ever faithfully yours. And Anne Lister's just kind of like looking at her, completely blissed out and totally in love. And that's how she was feeling when she got that damn gift. And um, similar to how Anne Walker was looking at her when they were playing backgammon just yesterday. Yeah, and you know, instead but, of um, the thank you very oh, much dear. or this is sweet. We don't, we don't get and that. this is wonderful. We, we don't get, get that thank you. Um, so we don't get it. What happened to the... Prayer book that Stainsworth gave me. And the yeah, well, he did. That's it. And she's she like, did it. it's more safe. No, it's not, she didn't even say the prayer book. She didn't say the prayer book. She was like, what's up with that ring? Like, she, like, it took me out. Like, on multiple times of watching this, every time she says that, I throw, I toss a thing. Because I'm like, and what? <laughs> like, you just got what is a relatively expensive book. Moroccan leather bound, inscribed by your girl. And the first thing out of your mouth when you read the inscription is, oh, so... Do you still have that ring I gave you that Ainsworth actually gave to me? And that's sort of how she phrased the sentence. You have that ring I gave you that was given to me. And I was like, girl, I don't I don't like where we're going with this. I don't like it at all. And initially, Anne is just kind of like, okay, that uh, I'm so a bit blissed out, but that, that took me out just a little bit. They're safe. Why? But Anne Walker doesn't have a response to that, which is shady. And Anne Lish is like, okay, let me just throw my head back real quick. And um, well, damn, bitch. Did you like the book, though? Did you Did you like the book? Because I just gave you a present. You read the inscription. The first thing you're asking me about is motherfucker Ainsworth. The stuff is good. You told me to dispose of it. That's fine. Um, Do you like the book, though? Do you like what I just gave to you? I put a lot of thought into this. I jaunted all the way to Halifax to get you this book for eight shillings. Like, what the fuck? And finally, Ann Walker's like, it's beautiful. It's exquisite. Thank you. And... And Lister actually says something pretty cool here. I don't know if you remember, but she says that, you know, when you told me about Mr. Ainsworth and what he did, and I suspect you've never told anyone else, Ann Walker's like, of course not. Who else could I have told? And Lister finishes that when Ann Walker confessed this to her, it gave her a kind of responsibility, a power over her that she intends to use wisely and very much in her best interest. And then she adds, I'll never let you down. Oh. <sighs> and cradles her face, doesn't it? So... I believe her in that moment, but uh, I don't think Ann Walker fully does. Fully, because she's having issues right now. And she adds, again, that time is a great thing, and she doesn't believe that the misgivings about Ainsworth will last more than a season. And then she insists on them going down to stop avoiding Mrs. Parkhill. And Ann Walker's like, God, every time you suggest we go see one of these hateful hosts so they can be less hateful, I hate, I hate this idea. I don't like this idea. I don't like being forced 
to be social, but fine. You do realize, though, that she's she's still bitchy. Like, you tried a lot this morning to change her mind about stuff, and she's still fucking bitchy. And Anna's like, whatever, bitch. I'll just redouble my efforts. Redouble the jaunty. Kill him with kindness. I mean, good luck. Okay? I mean, she's she's optimistic then. You know, she's like, I'll kill him with kindness. I'm super charming. People love me. Why, why wouldn't Miss Park Hill love me? And it's like, well, because Mrs. Priestley. And we actually get our only fourth wall break of this episode not too long after where she's like, look, I got to kill him with kindness because quite frankly, I can't go home right now. <laughs> I can't go home. Anyway, I can't go home. because. And well, I love that she's saying this because what's happening right now at home, it must be four o'clock. And what's happening at four o'clock? It is Mr. Tea. Abbott. Yeah, she says Mr. But Abbott is Mr. around for tea Abbott. and I can't be there because I can't. Mr. I can't. I cannot validate his existence with my presence so i'm not gonna be over there with mary well, she got off easy who got off easy uh even though a miss list is going through a lot at least she wasn't here at this tea no but who who are you saying got off easy uh and lisa for missing this tea wait a minute who but okay so what does her not getting off easy look like who how who who is the arbiter of list of miss list not getting off easy to, who does that who no, can enforce that no we're one. about to segue into the Shipton Hall. Okay, but you're saying Anne got off easy, and I'm saying how does that make sense? If anyone got off easy, it's Mr. Abbott for what was coming out of his fucking mouth in that oh. scene. Like, how does uh. Anne get off easy? Anne, Anne make sure that everyone else is on her page. No one no one is able to gather Anne. We've not seen a single person in this show be able to gather Anne. The only person who's tried, who's attempted, mm. is Christopher Rawson, and he's failed. Oh, yeah. I mean, true. Jeremiah's tried, but we can't really call his pitiful attempts um, actual trying. So, I mean, I don't think I think Abbott, 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 like was saved from having his uh, his whole life eviscerated <laughs> because the first thing we hear in the next scene when it cuts to Shibden Hall is him putting his, his foot in his mouth every two seconds. The first line coming out of his mouth, the first line that we hear when we meet Mr. Abbott is like, yes, the best thing you can do with an old building like this is knock it down and start again. And he's talking about Shibden Hall. He's talking about knocking down Shibden Hall Ooh. to the snobby ass listers who are like, we've Ooh. been here for 13 generations. Charlemagne, the uh. listers, we are one of the oldest families in Halifax. I think there's only two other families that compare to the length of time of them in Halifax. So we have Mr. Abbott, New Money Abbott, just got to Shibden Hall. And he's suggesting they knock down that old house because, well, it's old. Ew. I mean, Aunt Anne was done. From the minute, from the, minute the scene feel- started, she was done with Mr. Abbott. Because he kept saying weird shit. Oh, and actually he cut off Aunt Anne several times. Yes. I was like, is this the pickings of someone who considers themselves no longer a spring chicken? I just like. He's like, Miss Lister, you're elderly, right? You're old. (laughs) I'm like, who says that to a potential mother-in-law or no sister-in-law? No, auntie-in-law. Auntie-in-law. But why do you why do you say that? And then he's like, well, surely. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to. And she tries to reply. And he's like, let me interrupt you and mansplain. Because I don't know what you have, but I'll take some guesses. Maybe it's rheumatism. Maybe it's gout. Maybe it's arthritis. And it's like, yo, what? She starts to say something like, oh, I've lived here my whole life, Mr. Abbott, and I've never. But before she can finish what she never did, she gets cut off by her damn niece. Yes. Marion cuts her off. Marion. She has um, ulcers on her leg. It's like, girl, get out. I was like, that's That's family business. That's family business, bitch. I can't believe this. That's why she's lucky Anne wasn't here. Anne would have tore everybody apart. She would have tore Abbott apart and her own sister. And Captain Lister's in the corner like, wow, bro. Wow. This is not going well. I was trying to advocate for you, but you're making it really hard. 
Right. This is why we listen to Adam. <laughs> and he's like, well, listen, Captain Lister, like, you don't even know. These new houses got that really, they got cool technology. Like, the floors can be warmed. They can heat up. And Captain Lister's like, oh, like the Romans. And I feel like Abbott nods. Like, yeah, sure, like the Romans. But he don't know. I don't think he read he that book. Really <laughs> he don't. didn't read that book. He was like, I don't know what the Romans do. But sure, whatever you he's said. Like, let's save this conversation. Tell me about uh, New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, what? He's like, I want to hear about your talks travels, bitch. Marion was telling me that you've been places like you've been to New Zealand or Australia. Tell me about Australia. It's like, and he's uh, like, what? What you mean? And Marion's like, oh, remember I told her, um, I told them, I told them you have property over there. Like, cause you know, I was trying to, was trying to talk you up a little bit. And he's like, oh, I, I got property, bitch, but I don't, I never been there. <laughs> <laughs> me make the travels. <laughs> like he literally laughs up the fact that he's such a bitch that he can't travel. He's like, I can't do that. I'm I'm not the kind of person that's built for traveling long distances, but also I'm very busy. So, no. And you could tell that was the one thing that had Captain Lister like kind of on his side. He's like, well, he's traveled and things. Oh, wait, doesn't he say something about, no, it's uh, it's Marion who tries to be like, well, let me get my dad back into shit. Well, my dad, he was at the Boston Tea Party and she looks so proud. She's like, yeah, my dad was there. And Abbott is like, better him than me. <laughs> and everyone is just like, wow, bro, you are... Uh, You're tanking right I now. I mean, like, I think T is, is crash done. and burn. T T's T's finished, right? Like, like you just like after a joke like that, you just go. But he's not oh. done because remember he talks, he shades and lists her a little bit. Oh, he does. Because Marion is like, oh, it's a shame that Anne isn't here. I really wanted you to meet her and stuff. You know, she's the she's the master of the household. She runs this shit. And he's like, oh yeah, I've heard a lot about her, Captain. I mean, well, you know, <laughs> I've heard you hear so many stories down in Halifax. Not that I, not that I listen to all the stories. You know, I just take them with a grain of salt, pinch of salt, of course. <laughs> but I can talk to anybody. And so it's Shade saying, I heard about your niece. I heard that people got shit to say about her, but I can talk to anybody. So um, I'm good. Immediately Aunt Anne is like, are you shading my niece? You're done. I'm done with you. You'll never belong to this family. And then where are we after this? Oh, gosh. We're back to Crow Nest because we are there basically the whole time this episode when we're going back and forth to see Ann Walker. And it's a set of awkwardness, an awkward triad because Ann Lester is clearly restless as fuck. Mm-hmm. She's like pacing. She's by the window. She's like the air is stiff. Everything is stiff. Ann is sitting there dead as a log. Miss Parkhill's dead as a log. No one's talking. I hate this. I could be jaunting and being productive or grumbling. I'm not doing anything. I'm just standing here and it's weird and awkward. So I'm just going to watercolor paint and endless. It's like, well, how about a wall? Uh, well, the doctor says, you know, it's really bad for my back. So I can't do any type of major extraneous activity. Okay, well, how about a light walk? She said short walk. <laughs> She's like, can we just maybe... Five steps. And Walker's like, honestly, the doctor said I can barely move. And I'm like, Ann Walker, I don't believe you, ho. I mean, I believe the doctor said that. I believe you are truthfully saying that, but I do not believe that you truthfully believe that your spine cannot withstand a step or two outside. Okay? No. And, you know, Miss Liss is looking for a tiebreaker where it's like, um, but she should be able to do a short walk. And she's like, um, I think that she should listen to Dr. Daniels. I was like, well, who's who's Dr. Daniels? I don't know. Dr. Day. And I'm Dr. like, we didn't mean no Dr. Day. I was like, Dr. Day's off camera. Who the fuck is Dr. Day? Where he come from? Aunt Ann Walker, You better no go doubt. to York and get a real doctor. Oh, dear. You're bringing up sore, sore points. Because I'm with Ann, where Ann Walker's like, really, really, I can't even take a step. I can't even take a step, babe. My back is so weak. And and let's just like, what kind of what kind of medical man in their right mind will advise against some fresh air? That don't make no damn sense. I feel like all the doctors will advise for fresh air. I think that's when she asks, oh, no, that's when Miss Parko volunteers. Oh, what do you think? And she's like, well, I think we should listen to Mr. Day, Dr. Day. Right, but who Dr. is Day probably knows what he's talking about. 
It's mostly the fucking shade, Anne. Oh, she was like, yeah, I think Dr. Day probably knows what he's talking about, even if he didn't study under Monsieur Covier in Paris. And it's like, oh, bitch, now, you need to right, turn that was down. Turn down. That was you are pointed. turning up and you need to turn down. Too much shade. And then the camera cuts to Anne Walker, who's just like, again, just like staring at her knees or just like off to the ground, like, please, please, please don't ask me for my opinion because this conflict is too much for me. And suggests at that moment again, like, hey, maybe we should go see Dr. Belcombe again. He knows more stuff. And let's go to York because York would be a good thing. I think we had fun last time we were in York. We could go and you could meet some of my better connected friends, move on up into society, just like hang out with some cool people. And we could see Dr. Belcombe because remember, we were in York, the Gruber. Let's flash back to the Gruber. It was good mm -hmm. times in the Gruber. We had so much fun in New York and we were away from the haters of Halifax. And I think it would do you good to get back away from the haters of Halifax and just meet some new people who are way less judgy and also the Grubbles. I'm on board with the Grubbles. I mean, she's striking out, though, with these things. It's it's a real strikeout. Although after she does, you know, she's like, let's remember the Gruber. Ann Walker's face is a little bit like, oh, well, well, that does sound nice. I'm, I do remember the Gruber. <laughs> Those are fond memories. And then Ann Lister's like, come on, bae. Let's have a hit of backgammon before we vegetate. Come on and thrash me like you normally do, Miss Walker. I'm like, that's adorable. And Ann Walker does come. She's like, well, I do, I do like to thrash you in backgammon. I do. It's fun. And she gets up to go sit down. And uh, I assume that she was thrashing and Lista earlier in the episode when she had that big smile on her face like we were talking about. I'm trying to think of if Walker does not come to the backgammon table as she sets it up. and uh, She does. She comes and sits down next to Miss Parkhill, who is on the couch or chair thingy. But does Harry say something to Miss Lista about, uh, since she's feeling so restless, why don't she... She like we Go see Barkhill like glaring. She's like glaring in Ann Walker's direction this entire time that and Lister is trying to coax her into some sort of behavior. But she doesn't she doesn't really acknowledge her and just goes to sit down next to Ann Lister. And I think because she's trying to give that silent energy to Ann Walker to be like, don't go over and play backgammon with her. Don't even talk to engage to her. I thought we talked about this last night. Like, you're done with her. We're not doing this anymore. Or you're going to hell. So Ann Walker doesn't respond to that silent energy she gives. And so she says something out loud, which is her next bullshit, where she's like, you don't have to be here, you know. And she's talking to Ann Lister. And it's like, okay, but Ann Lister was actually invited by Ann Walker specifically. You were invited by her aunt who never knows what she wants and only ever advises things that are bad for her. So, bitch, what? But she's like, yo, um, no one's asked you to, to mm -hmm. come over here if you're bored. If you're itching for a walk, bitch, you could, you could go outside and take I a walk. And this like, is what she Ooh. says to Ann Lister. I'm like, yo, you a little too bold, bitch. You feeling too bold. And she's basically like, I was the one asked here by her aunt to keep her company whilst she was under the weather. And to be candid, there barely seems to be any point in me being here when you're here so often. And I was like, girl, same. There is no point in you being here with Anne Lister here so often. I'm glad you get it. But Anne is still trying to parry and be polite. And she's like, well, the more the merrier. So let's not fall out, okay? For Miss Walker's sake, can we just be chill? Can we just be calm? We were getting along so nicely before. Like, let's just, let's just have another go at your past perfect. And that's <laughs> when we hear the line, for the episode in reference to learning French grammar that she is obviously shitty at and she could use for some fucking lessons from Ann Lister. And Lister's about to open up this book, you know, because to kind of review because, you know, she's learned and she goes with her hand over the book. Yeah, she can't even grab the book. She stops the book. Company. That's the that's basically like if you ever went on like any kind of transportation and you see a seat and you think you're about to get one, it's like seat's taken. <laughs> you can't sit here. What's the accent? Was that the seat's taken? It's gone. And so, uh, 
No, she's like, two's company. Um, By and, then, and me, I was like, enough I is was enough. Done. I was like, let's break convention, tear a bitch petticoat, like be like, cash me outside, Miss Park Hill, because we about to fight in the lawn. We about to throw and some Ann Lister balls. or Ann Walker's gonna watch and she's gonna enjoy herself. She's probably gonna destroy her petticoats at this girl fight. But we gonna fight. Unfortunately, they do not fight. But uh to concede. But they get pretty close. Yes. They get pretty fucking close. To concede and Lister decides to bring the entertainment to, to Harriet's level. <laughs> she's like, no, she's like, you, she's you, like, you want us to be on the same level? Um, That's cool. We could do that. She says, so if you really feel that two's company, then, you know, I suppose. I, like, I don't know. Maybe you should. Uh, maybe. Maybe you. You, you, you should you, go. Maybe you should get the fuck out. Right. Maybe you should leave. And I love the way the actress is playing Harriet or whatever. Her hand was doing a little tremble the minute Anne like went over the book and was like, oh, okay, so uh, I've tried. I've been trying for the past two hours with you. And every minute you have been saying some slick yep. shit like I can't put you down. So I'm going to let you know that you can fucking leave, bitch. And um, she leaves, but she doesn't leave for good. She's like, mm-hmm. I'll be in the next room. Isn't that what she says? Yes, it's what she says. I'll be says. in the next room. You need my company. Don't nobody want your company, girl. <laughs> Don't nobody want your company. Miss Parker leaves. She's being a bitch, but she leaves. And uh, ooh, we get our next big fight of the relationship. And this is a doozy. This is the biggest moment of the episode. And um, it's pretty bad. Uh, this is not my favorite part. It's not. Yeah. So after Miss Parker leaves the room, finally Ann Walker has something to say. And I'm like, bitch, you didn't have anything to say this entire time. That your friend was being really rude to your girlfriend. Like, really rude. You had no time to say, hey, Harriet, I know she might be going to hell and shit, but, like, do you gotta be rude? Like, is that is does God say, let us be rude? No. But she didn't have shit to say. She didn't have no smoke. She was nervous. She was locked down. She was like, I can't. The conflict got me fucked up. The minute Miss Park Hill's out the room, she's like, you shouldn't have done that, Anne. You shouldn't have done that. She's my friend. She's my guest. And I'm just like, okay. All right, um, I disagree. Anne should have done more than what she did, but fine. And Anne's argument, she's basically like, Mrs. Priestley should not have used her like that because, I mean, I'm sure she's nice enough, but considering all the info she now has or things she has in Mrs. Priestley, she's being a fucking jackass. Immediately, Anne Walker's back on her. I can't do this. I can't do it. A little pressure and the bow has broken. Yes, that's, and, uh, that is apt. She, she's just sort of like, this is too hard and... And Lister's initially trying to be like, look, I know your friend is like, you know, being put in this position, but God, this is fucked up. But then Ann Walker continues. She's like in her ramble shit. If she's like, well, you know, I, I also shouldn't have said anything to you about Ainsworth. In fact, I shouldn't have said anything ever like, about Ainsworth. And I'm like, well, really? We flip flopping all the way? All the way we flip flopping. Oh, happening? shit. That she wishes she hadn't said anything. She kept it all to herself. And Ann tries to comfort her physically in the way that has been working most of the episode. Like, let me touch your leg. Let me touch your face. Let me touch your arm. Let me just touch you so you can have this physical reassurance of what we have going on. But but she can't like she goes to touch a bitch's knee and immediately Ann Walker's off the chair. And she's like, no, 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 because <laughs> we can touch me, bitch. I, I, I get further confused and I, I can't I'm, I can't get any more confused. than I am right in this moment, which is pretty fucking confused. Can't do this anymore. Yeah. She's like, I should have kept it to myself. And she basically is flailing and rambling at the same time. And she starts in about the deadline. And this is yeah. where she start wilding she's out. Like, she's like, wilding out. making me do these crazy things like putting names and purses and and. I mean, she was right about Anne applying pressure because Anne does apply pressure. And we've laughed about it from the entries from the show. However, bitch, ain't nobody, ain't nobody tell you the purse thing. Literally no one but you came up with the purse. And I'm, I'm, Anne was like, 
that was funny. Like it was a it was a fraught moment. But she was like, and you you forced me to do these things, and the person the ridiculous thing with the person. Anna's like, yo, but, but that was you. That was, that was you. That was all you. Idea. That was your. And she can't even finish what she was saying because right. Ann Walker still rambling. Like, and 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 I can't handle it. You know this is wrong. We're being. You know, wrong. oh yeah, she gets a she. She, she says that she, this is like she, she calls things terms. Like you know, this is, well, she the, and she. I thought it was funny that when she was like, when she's like, oh, you made me think of the ridiculous person. Anna's like, yo, that was your thought and what whatever. And she was like, well, it's because I couldn't think straight. And I mind, I'm like, girl, you're not straight. But she's basically like, listen, if you hadn't, if you hadn't been you and been so great at grumbling and been so attractive to me. And like brought out my gay. None of this would have happened. This is all your fault. And for awakening my thirst. I'm so mad at you. And at this point, Ann Lister is still trying to fix things. She's trying to apologize and she's trying to get things under control. At that point, she's like, all right, look, let me just go apologize to Miss Park Hill. Okay, it'll be fine. I'll apologize. She doesn't deserve my apology, but I'm gonna go. And it's fine. But it's too late. It's too late. Because Ann Walker's like, no, no, no. Don't even apologize. Don't even apologize to Miss Park Hill because I'm in full gay panic mode and mm-hmm. there's nothing you can do at this moment except get mad, which happens later. And that's that's how you fix a bit of a gay panic because you stop it in its tracks when you get mad. But Ann Lister's still like, come on, come on, we can sort this out. And Ann Walker's like, I can't. I literally cannot. And Ann is like, but you can. And Ann Walker's like, I cannot. <laughs> it's impossible. Like, it's literally impossible now. I shall have to take Miss Ainsworth. And everything she said just gets progressively worse. Ann Lister's like, no, no, that's What? And then Walker's like, mm, yes, yes, it's so clear to me now. It's utterly clear. The het agenda, it has beamed down on me in a burst of light, courtesy of Mrs. Priestley and Miss Parkhill. But now I see it. I see it plain as day. I have to take Mr. Ainsworth because if I don't take Mr. Ainsworth, I'm going to be tormented for the rest of my life, either by these bitches in Halifax, the haters of Halifax, or these voices I'm hearing in my head. Either way, the torment continues. And so I can't be gay because to be gay, I guess, comes with torment and I can't handle it. I'm not good with conflict. That's how I would sum up what, what right. Ann Walker is saying right now. Repugnant. It's against God. But she says it's queer. Uh, and when she says that, I I feel like I stood up. Because, like... No, no, she finishes with that, and it hurt. It hurt. And I have to assume, given how things have happened with Ann Walker, she's never uttered those phrases in her life, that that's exactly what Mrs. Priestley conveyed when she was going through her laundry list of synonyms right. of bad words that she literally was like You're it's wrong fire. it's repugnant it's queer she repeated that to fucking Park Hill and then Park Hill repeated it to her it's wrong it's repugnant it's queer duh obviously look at these people getting hung and here she is parroting exactly what she heard to Anne and in that moment Anne Lister's just like wow okay um, so you do understand, right? It occurs to you at some point in time during the day, quite possibly, maybe. I know I'm really strong and I'm really impressive, but does it occur to you? Hopefully it occurs to you that I'm still human and I have fucking feelings, bitch. Like, that hurt! What? This is me! And you're saying that what? I am repugnant? I am queer? Well, queer is correct. But I am wrong and repugnant? That's not right. And then she's basically saying what we're all thinking. Like, you agreed to swear oaths on the Bible. You agreed to take the motherfucking sacrament a day ago. How on earth can you talk about choosing Mr. Ainsworth when we just were talking about having a really, really gay wedding together? What the fuck? And uh, then she says the worst thing. She says the worst thing. She says, and, and how dare she, by the way? She says, I'll still give you the money for the pits and i was like wait what <laughs> no it makes perfect sense actually and so this is a this is something where i was screaming initially i was screaming at the time i first watched the episode and this time and all it's times. like for your troubles good luck on your girl request see i don't know that i see it that way for ann walker i'm trying to Last paint this within dope. the 
no. I'm trying to paint this within the, the reality of the life that she's lived. And so realistically, let's be honest, most people are in her life to use her. And that especially oh, yeah. includes her family. That use is usually tied around money. Now, that's not to say that when Ann Lister first was like, oh, babe, I want to sing a pit. That she was like, oh, yeah, you want to use me for my money. I think she just wanted to give her something within the limited capacity that she has to give Ann Lister stuff because she wants to make her happy. I think in this time, theoretically, that she's questioning the validity of what she's doing, the validity of these emotions and whether or not this is right, that this isn't by an extension. That her value most often has been seen to her family in money. And in this way that she's failing, she's trying to find a way to navigate the situation and make everyone happy. But as we said before, when Ann Walker tries to make everyone happy, she Nobody. she doesn't make anyone right. happy. Nobody. And so I think in her mind, she earnestly thought she was saying something decent. I'm not trying to fuck you over. I'm not trying to say you can't have your, your dream and sink the pits and do stuff because of course I'm still want to help you. I still love you. I'm still your friend. I'm just having like this, these, the hetero propaganda has gotten to me. But for Ann Lister's side, where she miscalculated is Ann Lister's pride. And anyone who would have a sense of pride about things would be like, what? Am I just a whole? <laughs> right. Just paying your whole. It's like that seated fucking Moulin Rouge. I've paid my whole at the end of the thing. Like it's, it's, it's too much. And for me, like, especially like my personality type, this was something that immediately Ann Walker said that. And I was like, oh no, 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 baby. Baby girl, look what you did. You had the upper hand. You were in this fight. You walked into this fight. You were like, listen, bitch, I don't know if I can be on the grubbles. And the entire time, Ann Lister's like, no, 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 no. Everything's so great. Everything's so beautiful. What do you mean you can't be on the grubbles? And she said a lot of fucked up shit that Ann Lister was still trying to be like, okay, I understand your stress, but let me just try to explain to you why logically this makes no sense. The minute she was like, you can still have the money, though, as if Ann Lister's primary concern with her was money, money versus wifey, she, she was heard. like, oh, hell no. And this is where Ann Walker fucked up. And she knew she fucked up. It was in that moment, if there was a voiceover, in this moment, Ann Walker knew she fucked up because she had the upper hand she had the upper hand and i need you to go and lister i need you to go because i just i can't take it it's queer it's repugnant but she had that animus it was her but by the time the conversation's done she's getting left by Ann Lister. And she's like, wait, 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 Ann, Ann. And she's in love calling after Ann because she doesn't realize how quickly it all fucking turned against her by Ann Lister because she said the wrong shit. And right. to a proud personality like that, if you insinuate that they're just fucking trying to get something out of you, that they can get themselves. Because that's what it seems like to me. I'm a very self-sufficient person. I've been self-sufficient, you know, and I type A personality, definitely, where that's one of my things that like people know about me is I'm not a person that necessarily wants to take gifts. And in that sense, it's because I'm very self-sufficient. From a young age, I was like, if I want this thing, I'll get it myself. I will do whatever. I'll have a job and whatever, and I'll buy this thing that I want, and that's what it is. I did not like the concept of relying on other people to get me something. And so as I got older, I felt like it was a it's an aspect of vulnerability, actually, for me to allow someone to buy something for me let alone something significant, like something expensive. Because generally, if it's expensive, unless you're my mama, I don't, I don't want right, it. Why would I take it? Right. I just, yeah, it just it makes me feel, it just makes me feel vulnerable in a way that I'm not altogether comfortable with, with people I haven't known really well. It just, it's, it's, you know, I feel like I have a root with like this American Girl doll that my mom was supposed to get me and she never did. And we actually talked about it later. She was like, that really upset you. And I'm like, it did. But it's part of the reasons why I feel like, like, you know, your childhood root where you just don't want to, rely on other people getting you shit because the disappointment that can come with that if it doesn't happen especially yeah. when you're a child is it's it's intense it sticks with you for the rest of your life so i feel like that's part of my reason why i'm like that where i'm like no if i don't know you if i don't trust you really well don't get me something don't get me something expensive or cool because i'm gonna say take that back uh return that i don't want it and so i feel like for ann lister being this prideful person who 
wants to sing a pet, but realistically, if she could do that shit all by herself or just talk to her daddy about the money, that's what she would do. She doesn't like the fact that she needs to ask someone else for money, let alone Ann Walker. But this concept of, hey, if we're about to be married, this is what we do. This is what couples do. Like we share, we help each other, we do stuff. And that's the only way that this is acceptable. That is the only way that you can help me. That's the only way that you can give me something expensive is that if we are together and sharing a life, bitch, but now you're trying to insinuate that I just want your motherfucking money while you over here with Ainsworth. Ooh, see, and she's lucky Ann Lister just walked out. I'd have started knocking down her things, <laughs> little pretty little things. James would have come in and be like, oh my God, what's happening? Candlesticks are flying. Because I'd be like, you have just hurt me to my fucking core. This is way worse than saying it's queer. This is way worse than saying it's repugnant. It's you actually reducing me. Me, who said I would not abandon you to motherfucking Ainsworth that would have helped you get out of this scrape no matter what. You telling me that, well, I'll still give you the money though. Woo! And Ann Walker, she fucked up that day. She fucked up real bad. She could have probably had a situation where Ann Lister was more concerned about seeing her after the fact after she would have potentially left had this not been said to be like well can I still make up to Miss Walker as it goes presently she leaves in a huff and I mean by the time it's done I think I wrote it down what did she say well she does say how dare you right no and yeah. really how dare you and poor baby gay just like what like what she says when Alice just says how dare you they come back I to Ann Walker she's just like what? Like you can tell she is like surprised. She's like, wait a minute. I just, I think I, I've never seen this before. She looks really mad. I just fucked up. And then Anne is like, what do you think I am? And that's, that's the second stab. And immediately Anne Walker's just like, wait, uh, no, no, Anne, no. Cause she just tried, she does try to say no and stop the free for all, but she's not able to. And Anne continues like, I wouldn't take it. Right. Y'all marry Ainsworth and lend me some fucking money. I don't fucking think so. And you seriously imagine I would take this shit? And again, Ann Walker is like, oh, wait, no, no. But it's too late. It's not going to it's not going to work out the picture. And the exact line is like, if you were my wife, that's one thing. If you're someone else's, no, I'd rather starve. No, right. never. I'd rather starve. And I, I agree. I would rather be destitute. And anyway, I wouldn't exploit you like your idiotic tribe of relations do. Boom, another zinger. And then she says, I'm going home. I'm going home. <laughs> and that's when our poor baby gay is like, and like she calls after her like, wait, and wait, um, can I just, can I get a do over? Can I get a do over? Because I thought this was going in a way and then I, I don't, I don't know what happened. There's been and a then, whirlwind yeah, of vapors right. and I, I'm, I'm so, I just know that I'm upset that you're leaving. I thought, wait, what? I'm stuck in the angry vapors and I don't like these vapors. These are bad vapors. And this is when we cut to angry, jaunty music. And yes. um, I would hit the cue. I would cue the jaunty music, but we jaunt to some fucking violence that I do not like. Yeah. So we are not cueing the jaunty music, friends. But... Uh, fourth wall, right? Huh? Fourth wall, right? She's breaking the fourth wall this entire time. So she's on an angry jaunt and she's monologuing about Ann Walker. And she's frustrated, of course. She's, of course she's frustrated because she was pairing everything Ann Walker had to say with calmness and understanding up until that money shit, which I think is certainly ironic in a certain sense, given how some of the people who have tried to talk about Ann Lister, not necessarily the historians that we talk about all the time, but other people who've written articles and they're like, oh, she was predatory. Oh, she just cared about money. I think it's very interesting here that Sally has done this, that she's like, yeah, she was concerned about money and like doing things and having things. But at the core of who she was, it flies in the face of who she was to assume that she would just try to get money from this bitch while not also trying to get a grubble and a wife at the same time. How dare you insinuate such a thing? And so Anne is monologuing. Let me see if I have the lines here. You know what? Let's just play real quick. Oh, here we go. No understands what I've done for her in getting rid of this fellow. I ought not to care. I ought to let her take him and I'm done with it. She's too insipid and nervous and poorly for me surely surely what would i do with her abroad Aww. even if i could get her there. Our, our jaunty gay is trying to convince trouble. herself of this stuff 
And for what? If she had any real feelings for me, she wouldn't carry on like this. Mm. Surely. Surely. You're going home. Oh, bitch, we pausing. I don't need to see that twice or thrice or, thrice, you know, thrice. a lot of times. So, yeah, this was the fourth wall break that we get here. So technically second fourth wall of the episode from the Marion joke and obviously pulled with direct diary inspiration because we've read a number of entries at this point that sum up what she's saying. Surely I could just be done with this. Surely she means to take me or, you know, if she cared about me, if she actually cared about me, she surely wouldn't be acting like this. Right. Surely. Surely. And ultimately, it's Ann Lister trying to talk herself into some shit because she's frustrated. She's upset. She's she's feeling a bit heartbroken. She's feeling on unsteady ground and familiar to veer, veersing all over again. And that is not that's not a good look. And after this, uh, what do we have? What do we have? Oh, we have a rondo gentleman stepping up front and he's like, hey, hell. <laughs> what the fuck is that? And it's a random gentleman. He's like, headed home. And she's uh, halfway about to say, what the hell are you doing here? Like, because she's on the Walker estate. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. like, she, like this is crow's nest. I've never seen you. And I'm here all the time. <laughs> I've never seen you. You're an intruder. Bad. I've never right. seen you here. You're right. an intruder. Yeah. Like, you're not a new footman or anything. So, before she, <laughs> before she even can ask the question, she's struck. Oh, my God. Yeah, she's struck. I don't like that. Mm -mm. But then my lady strikes back. And there's a tussle for this... Uh, this cane, but then she he's using it to pin her against the cobble. He's losing it to choke her out a little bit. Yeah, and he's and... like, I, I said, are you headed home? And it looks like he's trying to, like, check her pockets for something. Yeah, I'm not sure. But he says something like, you know, it's time that you went home and stayed there. And that's when he has her up against the wall. And, and he's, he... like, trying to choke her out. And he's like, stay still. And it looks like he grabs for her nethers. And, right. And uh, calls I was, her I was not, a, a I was not doing jack. well. A dirty fucking jack. Yeah. yeah. I, I was. We both were not. Yeah, we were no, like, um. No. <laughs> mm, mm. So then she gets him one good time. She tosses the. Yeah, this, she's able uh, to get him in the face. She tosses the stick out of the way because she's like, you know, we don't need this if we're just going to shoot the fair. But then, you know. She he, gets hit in the gut. Yeah, he caves ribs. her chest. And when she gets upright, he spits in her face. They do a bit of a wrestle. Yeah. And then she get remember, not only to do a wrestle, she gets hit in the mouth again because mm. we saw the CGI blood spray. And I was like, really, Sally? The CGI blood, bitch? You didn't, we didn't have to CGI that blood. And then uh, that last look where I feel like Ann Lister looks worried. We're worried as the audience because we're like, please don't hit her again. And he doesn't. What does he do instead, Terrence? He says to her after the speech, he says, some of us would like uh, you to leave Miss Walker alone. And I'm like... I'm wondering. I'm who... talking about the spit. I was saying, did you... we look I like... already said the spit. No. <laughs> I was saying that <laughs> after I... she got she got hit in the face again, and it looks like we we're like she's about to get hit again, and then he spits. He spits in her face, which is worse than hitting her again, in my opinion. Oh no! no like yeah, I would take that's... another 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 five five finger clenched hit to the face before I would let a man spit in my face. Anyone, but especially a man. Like, that's just, I feel like that awakens, you know how Ann Lister's always going on about her 13 generations? I feel like that would awaken 13 generations back of misandry in my bloodline. And the things I would do, um, I, I would fear for that person, basically. You know how they say, well, you should see the other guy when you see me. I, oh no, it's gonna be 100% valid if I, I'm on my feet some spat oh that's what i was gonna say last time when we oh last time earlier when we were talking about and the spitting came up and uh, it brought me back like i said spitting is it's like the lowest thing you can do and especially island people are especially aggro about spitting and just disrespect and stuff and that and i flashed back to that like 
attempted gay bashing story. I feel like we started it on one of these other previous episodes, but I think it, it, it did not make the final cut because we were just like rambling. But it there was an occasion like this where, you know, it was during Pride Month of all things in New York City, which was part of like why the jauntiness crept out because it's like you're out here trying to gay bash not in New York Times City and Pride Month. Square thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because what accelerated that, like my, my intense misogyny, like, so just to recap for you guys, since it never made into the episode, so there was a bit of a, I say attempted gay bashing because the 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 hets that were trying to do the bashing that were clearly from out of town were not prepared for the kind of energy jaunty New Yorker gays if you try to bash. All. And so there's a group of us in Times Square and one of the uh, gays, the queers in the group was someone who may be coded obviously gay, if you guys know what that means. Like, I guess what hets would consider a stereotypical way to spot a gay. Oh, look at how this, this man is walking or dressed or whatever. And so, but we were all in a group and group of definite hats wearing K-Swiss, which is like, mm. we're like, hey, gay slur that I won't say. So it doesn't trigger anyone. And immediately the whole group turned around because what is that? What did you just say? And so we all turned around and immediately it was on some fuck shit because two of my dude friends with me are Argentinian. And if, if you guys know anything about Argentina and someplace in Europe, like it, it can be rough if you're a queer trying to live your life in some of these countries. And not only that, they were um, party kids like myself, club kids. So, you know, you're dressing up, you are perhaps in drag, you're in these high art things that some heads are looking at you like we're going to start a problem. And so for my friends that were from Argentina, they actually had a unfortunate history of having people try to jump them or be violent with them in Argentina for being so obviously queer. And so they'd been in a number of fisticuffs and they were not afraid to get into fisticuffs then you have my ass who studied martial arts and is never afraid to get into fisticuffs so immediately they say the word and there's like four of us who immediately like the energy is like okay we're gonna fight it's pride but also at the same time i'm not a fool and i know about the law and things and things i don't try to aggress on people if they don't aggress on me first for right. assault so i can protect myself in that so way. i invite you to take the first swing right i invite no, you no that's what it was <laughs> i'm not gonna though there might be a piece of video evidence of this that can never be shown publicly but if any of you listeners ever see me in person i will show you a piece but there is because it immediately was like lots of cursing some of that cursing was in other languages spanish was flying freely some french was flying freely and it was basically like we had that Ann Lister energy where I am a, I am an inch away from your face you have so much energy for gay people during pride do something bitch I dare you and do you want to know what happened this is where the show comes full circle with this story is while we were trying to be like yo we about to get it popping because you're not going to disrespect me there was a spit leveled okay I know don't <laughs> don't throw don't throw your headphones yeah see there was a there was a boy he spit I will say this though, he spit in my direction. And Terence, honestly, my life flashed before my eyes of what would happen if I went to jail that day. And luckily for him, it didn't land on me. And I think he did that purposely because I was directly in his face. And I, when I'm in that zone of like, okay, like it's not, I feel like I can be scary. And so he spit, but it missed me. And so I went directly, I was probably about two millimeters from his, from his eyeball with my own. And I was like, do it again and have it land on me. And I feel like he potentially messed his pants because his face changed. And I think he thought, oh, is this, could this potentially, could this turn into, I don't, um, no, I don't, I don't want this. But the rage that welled up in me and the spit didn't land on me. It did not land on me. It was by my foot. And I was so offended that he deigned to try and spit in my direction that I was like, I will fucking wreck you. And you know, that's when the cop comes up, by the way, with the head agenda is when we're yelling and he's like, hey, 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 what's this? 
What are you queers doing? And we're like, hey, we're, we're being gay bashed over here and we're defending ourselves from the gay bash. And the cop was like, well, you guys have to go. And so the cop actually did not take our side, was afraid for the tourists who were very shook at that time of the jaunty gays circling them like, what, bitch, we fighting? And they were like, wait, wait, we weren't prepared for this. We didn't know that gays fought. And I'm like, mm, this is the East Coast, bitch. But that's what that reminded me of because when someone is like spitting at you, they're trying to say you're like beneath yes. them. Oh, just... My mom is such a pacifist and she would throw hands <laughs> if someone spit on her, indubitably. And actually, actually, someone did spit on my mom many years ago when she was fresh to America and just speaking French and getting teased for her French accent and a bunch of a racist uh, people in Brooklyn spit at her or they tried to chase her to a bus stop. But um, so, yeah, you know what? Moral of the story is don't motherfucking spit at people. You don't know what kind of smoke you're going to get back. But also, it's just not right. Like, if it's a human... <laughs> Don't spit on them. And I mean, we basically end this episode where Anne started off having like the best day ever. And then she ended having the worst day ever and being spit in the face like that. For a prideful hoe like Anne, like that is rough. That chinks the armor a little bit. Yeah. Holy fuck, yeah. And I didn't like the way the outro music came in. I didn't like oh, it all, at all. All acapella and shit. Yes. So it could sit with you. Yeah. <laughs> Shouted. Oh, Huli and Tido. <laughs> Great mix you guys did there because it fucked me up. I was like, oh, we are we doing acapella? <laughs> that's that's cool. And oh, so I just have to stare at a bloody a bloody syringe. I would, I would have it? rather. Is that it? Cool. I would rather not anything. <laughs> just roll credits. Right. Just, just, just get me out of here. Right. <laughs> get me out of this scene. I'm fucking... I might as well go to final thoughts for you on this episode since we are technically wrapped with this episode. Well, I'm happy to not have to immediately deal with Ainsworth. I don't see next episode being Ainsworth heavy. I feel like Ainsworth has a lot of introspective to do. <laughs> so we will, we shan't be seeing Ainsworth. Right. Now, unfortunately, this does mean that something can get dug back up. So, uh, although we're dealing with the rebuilding of Ann Lister and her reestablishing her uh, badassery, her bad bitchness, whatever we're going to call it, she's doubling down on who she is, remembering who she is. Remember Every, who you are! I mean, because it <laughs> looks like from the previews that people's going to play her for her coal. It just looks like there's a um, lot of right. things. Rawson's we did watch the two minutes. Um, that was for the Patreon, but yeah, so you can give a like... Um, I mean, we just saw angst in those well, two minutes. Well, I, I they feel like in a preview, somebody said, oh, um, they realized who it was that was um, also bidding on your coal, so they're no longer interested in Oh, right. I think, I think there in. was a line like that. I think you were Yeah. Correct. So it's like everybody's... It looks like everything's trending <sighs> trending down. Like everything was trending up, and it was right. like, yeah, we're doing it, gays. And then it's like, we're not doing it, gays. Right. <laughs> like, we're not. Right. This it's is, not going this down the way we thought. Knees. This is... Oh my god! I told you this is even her you. Episode six. What that was it is such a devastating hetero propaganda. I'm like, episode. I'm gonna need people to just stop <laughs> creating their series that I love and giving me like these things where it's like, oh, the big confrontation happens in episode five. Like I don't I don't need this. I mean it, it works. It works. But, at but the also same time, we're suffering. Yes. Also we are Damn fucking it. suffering. You know, and Anne Walker a little bit, and maybe it's because I just watched this the other day, but there's a new series on Netflix called Unbelievable. Have you heard of it? No. Um, okay, so it's basically based off of the real life story 
of a woman um, by the name of Marie Adler. And she suffered a horrible sexual assault, I want to say in 2008. And her immediate life background was like, you know, foster care system, foster homes and such. And one of those backgrounds that sometimes assholes believe, oh, you're more prone to something because, well, look at where you come from or some bullshit like that. So she's sexually assaulted. She has this this background that people would say is, oh, it was rough. And essentially, she's not believed by the police, by the foster people, the foster parents in her life, by the counselors at the place she's staying. Everyone turns against her and is like, you're a liar, right? And she's ultimately coerced into saying that she lied, even though she kind of goes back and forth about three or four times and ultimately is charged with filing a false report and has to pay money. And long story short, some years later, two women detectives were on the case of a serial rapist and they end up finding out their information crossed connects and that they're probably looking for the same dude who has attacked these women, same MO of this girl. Turns out that this girl, Marie, was his first rape and his messiest rape in terms of what he left around DNA ah, and stuff. So he like so had the cops learned. followed up and he was he was ex-military. So had the cops actually done what they were supposed to do, they could have saved There could have been a lot less victims. Countless, Got it. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so what felt like was a slight comparison at the very least to Ann Walker in this was the type of girl that we were being shown in the show, which is that someone who has experienced intense trauma and as a result is not with working with the kind of self-confidence or self-esteem that other people might be working with in a situation of intense pressure, how they can be malleable because people can't read what you're actually doing, that this that this intense animus you're putting in their direction is forcing an answer that they're, that they're guessing that you want to hear like a child, you know, like, oh, you want to hear this from me, so I'm going to give you what you want, not because it's true. And so I feel like Ann Walker's kind of floating in this, in this zone of like behavior that was similar to this girl in this in this series where there's so much external pressure informed by so much actual trauma and unsureness when it comes to herself and her self-esteem and her life that she is malleable when too many people are in here for too long like yeah. the mrs miss park hill like mrs Priestley, and it's unfortunate because of course that's going to be incredibly frustrating for ann lister and for us as the viewer but also i would imagine for ann walker who does not want to be <laughs> in the throes of confusion or feeling away but at the same time is at a loss in terms of coming up with the tools to strengthen herself and bolden herself. And in the show, as this wraps up this true story for the girl, it comes in time. And certainly with the advent of the help of a counselor who actually believes her and gives her good advice and things and things and things. But I'm just, um, it struck me as I was watching, I was like, oh, this reminds me of the issue with Ann Walker, this idea of self-esteem and, and truth, you know, that what is true and that truth can become flexible when you're unsure of yourself because it's it's the truth that you're speaking for yourself but you don't know you don't know what your own truth is actually it's constantly evolving and so well i can't do predictions on her because the previews show that she's having a mad time and um, i don't Ann know Walker? yeah mm. she's on the down if if this she's, was she's Ann Lister's well. she's down, well. then ann walker's down this is episode six so will Annalista come to Ann Walker's uh, rescue? Maybe not. Me thinks not because Annalista has too much to do on her side. But is she ever too busy to grubble? No. I mean, <laughs> hey, she hey, may but not I'm, be. Um, no, but be, really. But... No, you're right. There's a lot of stuff to consider. And well, I mean, I think this actually gets into the idea of like in love. And if we go based off of things we've seen, things we've heard, that it's too late for Annalista, that she is, that she's, she got got. She got got by Thurston Lowe Ann Walker. And even though she would prefer, I mean, she was already saying it while she was monologuing to herself down to jaunting down the path. She was like, surely, surely, surely I should just be off. Surely it should not matter to me at all. Surely I could probably get another hoe. But do I want another hoe? That's the problem. 
that's the problem is that she would like for it to just be what it is and okay, it's not a big deal. But at this point, it's kind of a big deal. And when you're dealing with a thirsty Ann Walker who's done the things and said the things that have never been said or done by a Mariana or someone else, I feel like it's even harder to walk away even though it's a lot and you just got spit in the fucking face. And they were like, leave Ann Walker alone. Really? Really? I hope that she looks into who could have um, hired such a... Such a ruffian. Such a piece of shit. Piece of I shit mean, it, it's nobody but, you know, it's no expense was spared from, you know, the the richest man in Halifax, you know. And you know what it is, too? Like, you know that whenever Anne Walker is having her mini panic attacks when people are telling her horrible things, that it's like her aunt. Yes. Like, she's breathing heavy. She's like, I need to get this corset off. And no one's there to help her. No one's there to bring her any water. No one's there to rub her back and say, it's okay. Stop freaking out. Get out of your head for a second. It's going to be fine. They're like, yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, it's all going down. Yeah, you're going to hell, bitch. Like, yeah, it's doomed. It's awful. And it's just so sad. <sighs> I hope we get more Elder and Lister. Um, I don't need a lot of Ross in next episode. I don't need Rawson either. Maybe the uh, the lady, the the eldest Rawson. Uh, maybe a line or oh. two from her. But definitely oh, some Mama Rawson. Right. So give me definitely some elder uh, Lister. I don't need any of the Park Hill. I can I can actually have zero Park Hill. I yes. I mean Argus. Well, I I'll, I'll have some dog. The dog make me feel good. What else could I have? Uh, let's see. Um, we had a decent sibling bond until she went to the pits. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I'm not walking with you looking like that. And now Marion's just trying to get Anne to mildly approve of, of Abbott. And considering what we just saw this episode at dinner no bitch that's not i mean you're <laughs> trying to going down. like who's this is like this is like a john c riley role like i can't see this oh, wow. as like a serious cellophane yes. mr cellophane i'm like what is happening here why because uh... you can look right through me yes. actually mr cellophane is perfect for how Anne sees mr abbott he not there yeah you oh, don't even matter yeah. mm. just like the song and never even know I'm there. It's like the oldest Lister. You're you're old. You don't mind <laughs> Yo, me. I was I'm like, still shook that I he was, was like, like, bitch, you old, bitch. Like, you about to die, actually. <laughs> <laughs> like, what a fucking tool. I was... What a bitch. I mean, if we have to wait for you to die before we tear down Shipman Hall. I'm like, Marion, this who you? Marion, this right. who Please don't hop on this dick, Marion. I beg of you. I mean, you she are said, above this. I agree with Anne. You are above this dick. Do not do it. She said he won't be a Lister. She was right. <laughs> <laughs> no but honestly marion you deserve so much better yikes yikes a double yikes. yikes a triple yikes everybody tried to give you a pass because we all know your sister has these standards that seem ridiculous <laughs> and you you get one chance to bring something home that's that's not ridiculous and, but, and um, sight unseen she said put a halt to this or I will. <laughs> Sight unseen. And here he is in your house. That's because she knew in her bones that Abbott was the fucking asshole. And Aunt Anne knew too. And then all he had to do was open his mouth. And and you can tell he talks a lot. Like he's the kind of person that doesn't shut the fuck up while he's saying ignorant shit. And so he talked himself out of the shit. Like Jeremy was on his side by the time he was done. Captain Lister was like, bitch, you can get the fuck out of my house now. Like you could leave. I was trying to back you up because I really want Marion to have a man. But no, 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 not this bad. 
Not this bad. Which that's why the listers are better than everyone else, because everyone else is buying into the head propaganda just because because literally Eliza makes the argument. Yes. okay. so Mr. Ainsworth is likely a piece of shit. Yes. He missed the mock. Yes. He is. You know, he's missing (laughs) a lot of stuff. And no, he's not that cute. But I mean, he's a dude. Right. So he's a dude. So, I mean, (laughs) might you not get married? And it's like this is this is the bare minimum requirement. It's a dude. Right. Ugh. No, that's not what we're doing. Again, I would have been like, <laughs> seppakumi, uh, burn me with the witches if I was in those times because there's no way. There's no fucking way. That's why the Lord um, was like, if we gonna reincarnate your, your spirit, Candace, it will not be in the 19th century because you will only live <laughs> a very uh, short uh, right. time. I'll be hanging they will take in you out. York. <laughs> I mean, hey. <laughs> You'd be like, no, we'd be like, yeah, listen, like, put me in a noose, bitch. Gay as fuck, never changing. Oh, that's right. You saw me mid-grubble. What are you going to mm-hmm. do about it? Um, we're going to hang you, ho. Oh, well. True. But can I request the burning, please? Not a <laughs> Because I just really feel like I got to send my essence back up. Um, but yes, uh, any final thoughts you want to have on, I guess, some of the bigger moments we haven't crossed over, which is Anne's intense declaration of, of gayness? Well, I don't know if she'll come to terms with it this episode. I think that's episode oh, seven. Oh, not, um, not Dan Walker and Lista when she basically gives that speech of like, look, I'm gay. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, well, this was... Unapologetically gay. Right. I mean, but... <laughs> so, this, I mean, so. is, is this news to someone who knows? I mean... Uh, just Evidently, because, because she right, walked out she, there saying, she, you know me at all, bitch. I thought you knew me. I thought you... Right. I thought we... But clearly I was wrong because look what you just said to me. And have you ever had a moment like that in a, in a in a relationship where like it was going one way and then one thing was said? And then a clergyman decided to step in and intervene? Well, not a clergyman. <laughs> no, but like you're, you're fighting with someone and you are like you have one demeanor and then just one thing is said to you. And immediately the switch, it's like... Fuck it. I have no more empathy for you in this conversation. I'm pissed off. Now I'm done. Yeah. Um. Someone decided to utter the words, I don't need you. And I was like, say that again. <laughs> say I'm that I'm not laughing at that. I'm just laughing again. at the absurdity of saying that out loud to someone I not expecting don't to turn up. need you. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Wow. well, I gotta go. That was it. What What uh, more like, could um, be said? I'm jaunting out. Why try to fight to repair men understand points of view mm-hmm. when it's happening with someone who clearly very obviously stated that they don't need you so best interest be damned it's it's done there's yeah. nothing to do sorry okay fine whatever no i agree i i've had a situation like that not like endless but akin to like something i felt like that was so off the mark with regards to my character and, you know, my ride or die nature that it's like, if you question my loyalty and my intentions, <laughs> I'm going to lose my shit because that's like to the stock and mortar of who I am. That if you're like, well, Candace. And then I feel like every time that's happened to me, the other person has been like Ann Walker where they see the flip and they're like, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Um, Can we pause? Can we reverse? Can we go back? Is there a way to undo what I just said? No, bitch, there's no undo button. I'm pissed. And now I'm leaving. Goodbye. Which I actually think is a very Libra thing. Like yeah, it could be actually. like it could be like I'm here, I'm working this out, I'm trying to talk, what's up? Um empathetic, bitch. I see you, I feel you, I'm trying to help you. You say that one thing, it's like, oh, I'd rather die first. Excuse me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I gotta I'd go. Rather check. Die first. Gaston, can I get the check, please? I'm leaving this relationship. I'm leaving this conversation. And it's done. So yeah. I'm sure plenty of people out there can relate to many things in this episode. Just angry hats being hateful and saying hateful things that hurt your feelings and 
potentially throw a wrench in your life for a little bit of a while, which is what's happened to Ann Lister out of her control. This episode. A big giant wrench has been thrown into her wedding plans. This wrench was a hate crime. Like this is this, this wrench is, was a hate crime for sure. And I I shudder to think of what kind of hateful entries there will be uh posted in the you know the nightcap the historical That's nightcap the thing is, is that she never really gets hateful like it's okay. it's more of what we've kind of seen which is her just kind of oscillating back and forth between her obvious care and concern for Anna Walker because it's happened and this idea of like I don't care though it's fine like I could just be off like I could live in a cabin by myself like whatever me and Eugenie could go like there's plenty of other girls to grubble like I don't even you know what she's young and insipid and and now she doesn't even have a lot of brains like she didn't even read as many books as I did what would I even do what would a girl grubble for six hours like you've been doing like really but no I get it it's that self-talking you have to do to not let yourself go down into the depression and quite frankly to take a look at Ann Lister when she was in the one deepest depression of her life post intense Mariana stuff is that we don't want her to go back there Agreed. where she literally like depression does you're not eating really your appetite is gone you look in a hot mess everyone around you knows that you're a hot mess and off kilter and you just like okay everything is a little bit less colorful I might as well be living in sepia tones at this point in time and that was totally a vibe for Ann Lister which for how she is is so counter counterculture to how she is i mean it's like when she was in the drawing room and everyone was just like sitting in their bullshit and trauma and she was nervous like yo i need to be doing something i need to be productive i need to be something like you guys are just sitting here in your in your sadness and i need for there to be something different and stuff like that i can relate to whether if the energy feels i mean i've always said that before if the energy feels off i can't help but like be like the energy's off you guys like um can we can we talk about this can we do something about this can we fix it there's no fixing this episode. It's done. It's in the can. We suffered. We did it. We watched it twice. Uh, thrice. Yeah. Two, we watched it too many times. Too many times. And if you are someone who considers yourself someone who was affected by this episode and you may have watched it mayhaps too many times and you still have thoughts and feelings that you need to express... That a gift, like a simple gift, is just not enough. Like you, you just word vomit, and it it needs to go somewhere. You can definitely reach out to either of us at our uh, social. <laughs> Look, needs. I'm just I was just staring into that square for a second, thinking about right. my life. Like, um, but yes, what Terrence said. So, gentlemen, Jack Crack, you already know you can find us there on our Instagram and our Gmail. We have gentlemen Jack Crack and gentlemen Jack Podcast. So, you know, choose your fancy. Um, we're at gentlemen. Is it Gentleman Crack on Twitter? On Twitter, yes. Gentleman Crack. And yes, be on the lookout for another release of a historical nightcap for this episode Mm. and exchanges and letters. Oh, gosh. I'm Um, concerned for the booze that will be drinking. Well, (laughs) I will try to pace myself. No more gin for you. No more gin for you. Go back to you. Go back to something basic. Like, um, I just... Uh, you, know, beam. you know how like it's two parts gin and then like one part like juice maybe oh, yeah, I'll I was, do... you had three parts gin yeah, I know I know there was so, no... <laughs> so I'll do uh, it'll be I'll do like two parts or, or a part and a half or something I don't know I'll, I'll I'll juice it up so and then I have water that's where I messed up at I didn't have any water. I tried to give you water but the only water you had was like at the end of we were toasting and I was like bitch give me the liquor what's wrong with you you're done give me the Drink yeah. this water. Agua. Agua. Right. Agua. So water through. That's water that's... through and through. So yeah, if you guys want to reach out and talk about stuff, you totally can. Um, 
we did cover a lot of topics here that could be of interest. Everything from panic attacks, which we went over earlier, I believe, a little bit. Or just stress things. And I forget. What was it you said about your your panic attack situation? I forget where you said it was. Oh, um, it was, yeah. It was like crowd-based where like it was me reading right, the crowd right, and right, knowing right, right, right. the direction the energy was going in. It was already at 11. It was... I don't want to use phrases like ignorant, but that's where it was. And it was very easy for me to be the target of the ire of that group. Right. And I I was like, well, here we go. I hate when people team up on others. That's not cute. I tell you, where two or three whole tubs together, it's just going to get very loud. It's just going to get very loud. Yeah. And my, I I feel like I had an aspect of like PTS, a type of PTSD, but not, not something that would be as, something that would actually take over my whole body in a sense for like a like at least two minutes which was completely foreign to me it was like a car accident I was in a bad car accident when I was younger and for a while I had like a nervousness I could not control around acceleration in cars and just stopping suddenly which is why I was like mm, motorcycles are my thing I don't like cars never got into a crash in a motorcycle way too many way too many fucked up experiences in cars so I'm right. not into I'm not it a and car I'm, I'm still nervous about that in a certain sense and then of course 9-11 was a, was a different situation because I was just like in life just like in school and then oh oh what and it's wild to me because the anniversary just passed and i always say this to my closest friends where i was like you know it's been a lot of years and i'm such a different person whole ass real adult since then and even still every time the september rolls around every fucking time i get like this feeling and this thing and this nervousness and i'll you know, I still hang out in downtown, but not nearly, not nearly the way I used to when I was younger, because I just yeah. really can't. I'm not comfortable. I get like these eerie feelings. It's one of those things where like how muscle memory is, but it's like visual and sense memory where like sense come back into my nose. But then I feel like revulsion, like disgusted, like I want to puke. And so none of it's good. So in in general, if I can avoid downtown and Wall Street and that whole shit, I'm just like, let's not because it's such a it's such a visceral thing that comes back to me. And, you know, it ultimately makes me so sad that in this time and Walker suffering that this idea of panic attacks, anxiety attacks, they're just they're not understood. No, no one really gets it. And that it's literally not within your control because I Fuck. I might have been of the thought that you can control something about your person. But the first time I had a panic attack post 9-11, which was really about three months after they reopened the airspace. And I heard like an engine. I was with a good friend of mine and they had just reopened the airspace and we were out in Battery Park seeing a movie. And we were in the courtyard of that uh, AMC theater down there. And the engine was pretty loud, especially because there hadn't been sounds. And everyone outside dropped to the floor. And before then, we were all having a good ass time. Like we were just trying to see a movie and not be depressed, not be in our existential depression of like, what is life? What is my future? What is happening? I don't know what's going on. Why? And it was interrupted. And it was one of those times that I'll never forget that it was like my body was reacting completely independent of my mind and my emotions. And it was like, okay, what? Yeah, I don't is like this? moments like that I don't like that. All. Because you couldn't, it was fucked up. Nightlife was fucked up. You saw fucked up things and you're like, okay, whatever, moving on. They give me therapy in school, but I'm fine. And that moment where you, you really think you're fine, you're like, I got this. It's all under control. And then some shit happens and you're like, fuck, none of this is under control. What? And we didn't even see the movie. We left. We left to go back to dorm and just like, Play sad music and uh, the piano and just like think about our lives and acknowledge that we were in our Baroque period and who knows when we were going to get out. So, yeah. So this episode of of, of stuff was, it hit home for a lot of different things of just like life. And uh, I'm sure it hit home for a lot of you guys too, because plenty of this, plenty of the stuff in this, in this 
episode is relatable, but not in the best way. Right. So, you know, thanks for hanging out during this sad episode. Love you guys. Hopefully your sad veils have not taken you over. Like they've taken us over as we're ending this episode. God, God, we're sorry. We're usually so upbeat. Hope you enjoy that nightcap. That nightcap is out of control, out of control. Right. Well, listen to the nightcap again (laughs) after this. Listen to the nightcap again. And then, yeah, yeah. Uh, you take us home, daddy because I'm just here feeling sad. So Miss Priestley and her her bastard gospel of <laughs> hanging men in York or wherever it was. Did you hear about the hanging men? Did you hear the good word about the hanging men? We hung <laughs> two men. We hung two men. Did you hear the good word about what happened to the gays? Let me tell you. The only thing I could think to say to liven this mood is to cue the jaunty music. Yes, bitch. And remember that we got Eskimo kisses and nose boots before we got the bullshit. So sweet. (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye. Regency era lesbians. Oh, my God.